Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. Okay, would you agree with this, Jim? I think as these NBA playoffs really start to take shape, I would say there's been an uptick in storylines, in intrigue. We're not sitting here feeling like it's going to be year four of the Warriors and the Cavs, right? No, I love it. There's more going on. Last year we were talking about, well, we can't wait to get to the postseason and the championship because we know it's going to be Cleveland and Golden State. Right. This year was like, okay, Cleveland, Golden State, hold up. We we don't know. Cleveland, we don't know. Golden State injuries. Now, it's like, hold up. The Pelicans? Yeah, right. Utah is playing well. Indiana is playing well. You're just like, hmm. Suddenly believable that the Cavs and Warriors don't even make the conference finals. And I know the Warriors haven't lost a game yet. But the Pelicans, that's a real thing. Uh, We'll get into that. Uh, The Philadelphia Sixers doing what they're doing. I personally think they're going to the finals. So there's all this wonderful stuff. However, it leads to probably the biggest problem that Adam Silver has ever faced since he took over as commissioner, which I'll share here in just a second. It's Mark Willard and Jim Jackson here on Fox Sports Radio Live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com for a free rate quote. When I look at the Sixers, and I'm a believer, Mm -hmm. I am absolutely a believer. 
Um, you know, I don't know how much they'll necessarily compete to actually win the whole thing. Uh, we'll see. We'll see how the West plays out. But right now, if I had to put my chip in one team's corner in the East to make the finals, Philly is absolutely it. The problem that that presents for Adam Silver is when I watch the Sixers play, a phrase pops into my head, and it's this, tanking works. What do you do? It works. <sighs> it works. I thought it was a process. Yeah. It was a process. Nice job. Take it. it was a so, process. <laughs> so maybe Adam Silver should come out and say, okay, you can all tank, but you have to give it a nickname that's sexier than the and, word and tank. You know what? You know what, though? I get it because you see it right now, and we'll talk about this later. Yeah. They're talking about Derek Jeter and the Marlins and things like that. It's justified now because it worked for this one team, and they're doing it at a high level. Now, during the process, or their whatever it's called, <laughs> hashtag, it didn't look like it. So it validated what Adam Silver wanted to do, was saying, okay, we're going to put these rules in place to ensure that tanking doesn't occur. Um, you know, we had this issue with, with uh, Mark Cuban this year mm-hmm. in regards to that. Trust with Memphis, okay, in regards to that. But Philly has been... I don't. I don't even know what it is. How do you get the number one pick this many times? Oh, seriously, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because because we look at it and we go, oh yeah, Simmons, Embiid, and I know Embiid wasn't number one overall, but but, okay. but still, you're like they've missed on half these picks. Right, Okafor was in there. Uh, Nerlens Noel. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know what faults is. I don't know what that's going to happen. But so far, it's a miss. They didn't get much out of him. Well, this yeah, year. He, they didn't, but. I think you saw some flashes yes. that he could be, he could he could contribute to the way this team plays. Yeah, which is long by term. The way, is he going to be the big star? Even scarier. I don't know. But yeah. playing off the ball, but I, I get I get the dilemma right now for for Adam Silver because you want the integrity of the game. Now Philly fans going through that process, oh, they were clamoring up about it too. They hated it because they wanted to see it. Now they're reaping the benefits of love it. Some good decisions, and now Embiid is healthy. And Simmons is healthy. They surrounded themselves with complimentary players that make sense that go along with the team. So at the end of the day, you can say what you want, but the Sixers management is sitting back to say, I told you. Mm-hmm. And Adam Silver can say what he wants, but it's it's tough to it's tough to argue that it doesn't work. Well, and here's the the the, the other part of it. Because you can talk about winning. Mm-hmm. That's one thing. Can you have a nice year? Can you have a nice two years? What does any fan base really want though? Like, what's real ecstasy for a fan base is not a good year. Mm -mm. It's a good seven years. It's a good long run. And that's what the Sixers are about to do. Uh, Once LeBron leaves the Eastern Conference, and I firmly believe we're a couple of months away from that, once he does, you're set up in Boston and Philly for a lengthy Eastern Conference run for both of these teams and how did they get there? They, they both got there by stinking a lot, by having good draft picks, and then once the opportunity uh, sort of arises to go out and pluck a free agent, obviously Boston was opportunistic in trading for mm-hmm. Kyrie, mm-hmm. but when there's an opportunity to go pluck a free agent, you know, Warriors did the same thing, boom, go ahead and do it. Here's the other side to that. No one uses this phrase when we're talking about another team. Because it's a little bit more under the radar, and they haven't had like the playoff success even that Philly is having right now as of yet. But Lakers, guess what? 
tanking works. Are you not excited? Does it not look like a good young team that's about to pluck some free agents? Opportunistic? Poof. I think, but, but I think the difference is, though, Philly came out and basically told you what they were doing. Yes. I mean, and that's the thing. You say, so Lakers people, can't. People said, okay, we want honesty. Won't you tell, okay, I'm going to tell you the truth now. The thing is, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? Or do you want me to tell you the truth? So when Philly first came, when they came out and said what they're doing, people were appalled by it. Oh, you can't do that. You can't. And, and Lakers was like, no, we're building our young core. You know, once Kobe leaves, right. we're going to build our young core two to three year process to get the kind of players we need. We're going to be able to attract a big time free agent. Now they do have that advantage over Philly, I say quote unquote. But I'm going to go back to this: a lot of the younger kids aren't in love with the Lakers or the Knicks or things like that because right. they weren't as relevant in their time period of watching basketball. Hundred percent no. So Golden, it's, it's Golden always, State is way oh, cooler well, yeah. than the Knicks the, the and the Lakers, Lakers in a, a, you know on a on a school playground right but, now. But they sold it in a way that we're still the Lakers. If we can mm-hmm. go get these young free agents, you see what I'm saying? But do you notice that the Lakers, because of that dynamic, the Lakers cannot say to oh, their no, they fan can't. base, no, 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 they can't. They, you can't even use the word rebuild, but, Mark. You they can't even do it. But do you notice nothing was going well until they actually did commit? Oh, Timothy Mozgov, two minutes into free agency, we're going to sign him and Luol Deng yeah. to massive contracts. Guess what? Worst two decisions that have happened in the last five years for that organization. What's actually worked? Picks and hitting them. Yeah, I, I think they jumped the gun on Mozgov. They caught Luol on the back end. But the, the, the beauty about the Lakers is this, and the question is, with LeBron, do you need him to come? Well, the Lakers really don't need LeBron to come. They're still selling out games, mm-hmm. despite what's going on. In Philly, it was a different story. Those games weren't being sold out. Fans still came, but not the same. I don't know what it is or about the Lakers here, even when things are rough. It's still a Laker town. Sure. You know, in Philly, when it goes the other way, bro, it's just <laughs> like, okay, um, I mean, it's such a passionate fan base. Yeah, and they, they just, just won the Super Bowl. Exactly. Yes, so, so, yes. so Los Angeles, you can say what you want. It's, it's teams like, I think it was Memphis – and a couple other teams that lost money, okay, right. But the Lakers, because of their TV deal, oh, never. And because they and they had a worse record right. and didn't lose any. You see what I'm saying? So they had the caveat of understanding their fan base, and they could tell them in so many words, "Be patient. We're going to build and get back to where we need to be." That said, they're going into a very interesting summer. It is my thought because they finally look like they're on the uptick. You've now got a good young core. The availability slash rumors surrounding major name free agents. If the Lakers were to goose egg July again, you're going to watch a fan base get really frustrated uh, because it's no it's no longer time to tell a Laker fan base to be patient. I don't think the team has to worry about it. I think the chances of them going over on Kawhi, Paul, and LeBron are almost nil, like almost nil. I would be mildly surprised if two of them aren't Lakers. I would be knocked down shocked if one of them's not a Laker next year. How does having a – here's a question. To me, people are talking about Philly, LeBron. If I'm Philly, I don't want LeBron. No. I don't, if I'm the NBA, I don't want no, LeBron no, no, in Philly. No, no. He'll kill Ben Simmons. I, I was telling you this before. Yes. I said I, I love Paul George at Philly that just works. because he can be that second scoring threat, that 3-5 pick and roll with Embiid. And um, Simmons at the point, but how does LeBron on the backside? Phenomenal fifteenth year. 
at some point is going down. Right. <laughs> okay. I think. And um, the question is, with Paul George, a Kawhi, I, I don't think LeBron and Kawhi is the same as Paul George and LeBron. Which is better? I like I like Paul George. Really? Yeah. To mm-hmm. fit with LeBron better because yeah. if you ask now, let's assume Kawhi's health. I think that the almost all NBA fans would say Kawhi is a little bit better of a player than Paul George. I, I like I like those two together. Better. Okay, together Why? better. Just Paul gives you a little something different. I think in transition, the way that the Lakers want to play, mm-hmm. um, both are multi-dimensional um, perimeter defenders, can guard multiple positions, can shoot the basketball. Something about Paul, I think, playing with LeBron, athletic-wise, quite sneaky, athletic. Paul is long. I, it, it, I just think those two work together better than LeBron and Kawhi, in my opinion and how it could fit into the Lakers system with LeBron running things. Well, I, I like that twosome for the Lakers better than the Kawhi one for an additional reason. I know that Laker fans are suddenly excited. The Lakers, there's rumors that they're going to go hard after Kawhi. You, that's a trade. you got yeah, you, you got to give up you a bunch of stuff in order to get Kawhi. Paul, Paul and LeBron can just sign, poof, come on in, and you'd have a really deep roster. Randall would still be a maybe. You'd yes. have to get lucky slash creative to keep him. But outside of that, from Lonzo to Kuzma to Ingram to Hart and on down the line, all of those guys get to stay mm-hmm. and surround LeBron as he, as you put it, gets into an older portion of his career. Uh, I would take Paul George and those other players around him rather than Kawhi, where you'd at minimum have to give up, I would think, Lonzo Ball and who knows what else. I don't know if the Spurs would ever have LeVar Ball be a part no, of that whole organization. I, I, I can't see that. I just don't even see how the whole thing works. Unless they just unless they use Alonzo for backup now. Like, let's say LeBron does it. He's in his second year of his, you know, rookie deal. Yep. Third year's an option. Yep. So you use him coming in, LeBron. You can still maneuver his minutes enough where he gets enough touches. You can really see if he's developing. And then that third year, you make a decision. Right. I mean, to see if you can get value, you know, for them. Okay, so t- if tanking works, what's the solution? We can open up the calls to you on on that, 877-99 on Fox. We've got some ideas as well. Plus, the team that's about to tip off in about 15 minutes has a very new challenge sitting in front of them the rest of the way. We'll explain what that is coming up as well. With Jim Jackson, it's Mark Willard on Fox Sports Radio. All right, we're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com, free rate quote. And by the way, um, I was going to say don't forget the NFL draft is is four days away. I don't think anybody's forgetting. I, I'm not a huge draft anticipation guy, but I'm excited about this one. Why? Well, probably the depth of quarterbacks. And the thoughts that everybody has, like, I can find a really smart football person who each of them will tell you, oh, Darnold's the guy. No, Rosen's the guy. No, Mayfield's the guy. No, Allen's the guy. And so I want to see where all of those guys go. Normally, everybody gets excited for the draft, and I go, you do realize that 20 minutes in, we're gonna, like, you're going to be drafting fat guys from Iowa you never heard of. But it's a whole production value. Yes. You know what I mean? Yes. Think about what they did in NFL. Went from New York, 
Then it was Chicago. Then it was Philly. Right. Outside Philly. Now, now oh wait, now Jerry Jones. <laughs> okay, this is going to be a production. Sure. Sure. So forget about what happened in round three, four. The, the whole production part of it is is what it's about for the casual. Yes, and and I think fans. sports fans also they love, and this is at any sport at any time. We love trades. Yeah, and I yeah, think yeah, there's yeah. going to be yeah, a yeah. lot of trades this time. I I would predict at minimum two uh-huh. in the top ten picks. I know you know we know there are these teams that want to who's going to go in yep. and get the quarterback. Who's going to go steal that quarterback from? From Team Y, you know, so uh, I'm I'm excited about that one. And, of course, uh, you can tune into Fox Sports Radio Thursday night as Jay Glazer and Joel Klatt and Chris Spielman and Kurt Menefee will broadcast live from the side of the draft, AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas, Gerald World, uh, throughout the entire first round. Glazer, last three years, correctly predicted every single first-round pick. Can he do it again? Go 32 for 32. Listen, Thursday night, Fox Sports Radio and on the iHeartRadio app beginning at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, hear the very best NFL draft coverage on the radio during the entire first round of the draft. So when people do bring that up, tanking works. I think it's working for the Sixers. I feel like it's very much on its way to working for the Lakers. How many times have the Lakers had the number two pick? It feels like, you know, we say, how many times does Cleveland and Philly get the top pick? The Lakers have been number two, what, three times? Mm-hmm. Three times. Ingram, two pick. D'Angelo Russell, two pick. Lonzo Ball, two pick. Julius Randle was a seven pick. I mean, so they've had a bunch, too, and they've hit on most of them. Mm -hmm. You have any ideas? What do you do? What do you do if you're Adam Silver? Beyond freak out when somebody brings it up publicly. Well, well, it's tough because the process is it's the the draft lottery. Closed doors, it's sealed. They get the pick. I mean, what you you try to do everything you can for teams don't tank, (laughs) you know, to get the number, more number of balls to get the first pick. Right. But – Think about it with Philly. Then Cleveland for a minute there getting the number one pick. Okay? It was LeBron. It was uh, Anthony Bennett. It was Kyrie. Wiggins. And Wiggins yep. in there. You know yep. what I mean? It's just yep. like, okay, yep. the same team uh, yep. is getting it again. <laughs> and it's just like, but they've, they've tried to do everything they can to ensure that it's a balance that the teams that really need it get it. But at the end of the day, since we don't know the process and can't see it, it's hard for me to say, you know, I I wonder. I mean, uh, I've heard people say, "What about a tank tax? Um, what about this? What 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 a tank tax? Like how much? I don't know. How much is going to be affected? And where do you where do you start? You know, instituting it? Yeah. But you and I both love golf. Yep. Golf is fascinating to me. The worst shot you hit, the harder the next one is. Mm-hmm. So why do we reward bad? What if you just removed that? You don't have to. I know it's against our normal senses. You don't have to reward bad. You can just say every year, I okay, we got 32 teams. We'll just throw them up into the air and see how they land. Or there's that wheel that somebody brought up, you know, last year where right. everybody every 32 years, everybody's going to get the, the the top pick once. Why do we do we have to reward bad? Well, they've done it so long because before it wasn't it was an unequal balance in regards to talent. And you rewarded teams who weren't as talented to be able to go get that talent. And then you jumped into the fact where teams just threw games at the end of the year so they can get the most. And that's when the lottery came in. So they've tried to remedy that situation. And I I never thought about it from that perspective in regards to just saying, forget it. You know, you got 32, you got 30, you got the the number of teams, 30 teams. You just throw ping pong balls in there. And whoever gets one gets one. Tough cookies. 
If if the Warriors get the top pick, they do. And you know what? I know that a bit. Well, well, wait a minute. You know, look. Just because you get the top pick, it. I mean, what if it's Markel Fultz? You don't get anything about him the first year. What if he is amazing? And now you got to figure out in two to three years how we're going to keep all these. Well, guys. how about this though? How about this? Let's say Golden State Warriors get top pick. Okay. They pretty much got their needs met. What they really need is to fill out their bench and somebody else. So let's say they get the top pick this year. DeAndre Ayton maybe makes more sense than um, you, a Trey Young won't go in there because not, not you already Trey got Young. that. No. Who's, um, who's Marvin Bagley. I was going to say Bagley, yes. Marvin Bagley. Maybe. Maybe because he's a pick and pop. Mm-hmm. Um, It'll be interesting because sometimes it's all about fit. And maybe the best guy you think could be number one doesn't fit that team. Like Golden State could say, okay, we're really looking for a backup point guard. They already got Quinn Cook. I'm just saying. Yes, but yes. Well, we need a we need this. That may not be the best player in the draft. Right. So maybe Because their needs are different. Maybe there would be more trading in, in, in the lottery and, yep. and, in, and what we just said. Yep. I, that's what I'm excited about with the NFL draft this week. So, I listen, I would be open-minded to that. Um, let's hear what some of you think. By the way, uh, Jennifer Hale, who is the sideline reporter for the Pelicans. Ooh, the Pelicans. Mm, hot right now, Ooh. baby. Hot. Okay, she's going to join us in five minutes. Uh, let's go to Darren in Virginia. Uh, with some tanking ideas. Darren, what's going on? Thanks for calling Mark and Jim. Yeah. To keep, to keep them from tanking, keep the lottery system. But for them to earn odd, earn better odds in the lottery, you give them one point for each loss and one and a half points for each win they have over a team that has a better record. Hmm, uh, that one might have flown over my yeah. head. So but, one point what? for a loss, but one and, and a half, half points for a win... Well, how a team that has a better record than they do? Hmm. Yeah, I know. Darren, thanks. I I I don't know if I understand it because it's like it's almost like you're you're giving out a point system after we've already decided who's got the worst record. Uh, somehow, um, you know, you again. You, you're, Is that like hockey? I don't even know how hockey does but, with the point system. Well, that's the, for the win. That's that's just for determining the, playoffs. Play, playoffs. I'm talking about a similar idea yeah. in regards to the, the like mindset. You get three for yeah, a, exactly. you get three for a win. You yeah. get a point if you get to overtime. Uh-huh. Overtime win. Overtime loss. Craig in Boston. Craig, thank you for calling. Hey guys, how you doing? What's up? Oh, this is a topic that uh, has been on my mind for a long time. Um, but uh, you know, we always do the draft based on you know how the teams perform and the gms mess it up by you know controlling who gets to be in the games and stuff so my thought is well why not base the you know we're we're adding players to the team let's let's change it so we evaluate the quality of the players that are already on the team so if you got a player who's injured all year you don't you know their record goes to pot because the guy didn't play but the guy still this guy still got quality uh, ability. So let's rate the teams based on the quality of the, you know, their ratings. Let's well, rate the players. Yeah. So, I, Craig, that's interesting. But you know what that does? That makes me feel like there's a measure of what's happening in baseball that comes into it, which is really analytic driven. Mm-hmm. Where now we're yep. rating players, we're using analytics and data uh, to uh, determine who's what. And you know what? 
Uh, I'm. This is just me. I'm someone who totally does. I <laughs> do not like that at all. You know what I've always thought about professional athletes. You know how why it's so weird that we do analytics, which is basically stats and probability to determine things about you guys. You guys, by nature, are analytics busters. If we wanted to do stats and data, well, then no one would ever be an NBA right. player. Like so. You guys bust those norms just by even getting to the NBA, and then when you get there, we're going to start tagging you with those numbers again? Doesn't make any sense to me. Well, here's the thing, though. I played for Pat Roddy, and Pat was a big numbers guy, okay? A big number guy. Okay. Size of your hands, your um, wingspan. Analytics before and, analytics. I mean, yeah, and okay. plus and minus was big with him in, okay. in regards to what you did on the court. I get it. And I get analytics in regards to how that helps enhance the evaluation process of a player. The only the, the one of the issues I have though, Mark, is that what analytics does is say you got these group of numbers, you put them together, and you say, okay, these two should work well together because they balance each other. Mm-hmm. Great, but what it doesn't take into effect is the personality that me and you have. Right. So now that doesn't necessarily our numbers may mesh, but personality wise, we don't mesh. So that's why having somebody that's been around the game and understands the game and understands the locker room culture and understands how players think the feel that balances out that you can't have one one way way up here you can't just not have a feel without analytics I get it you, but you can't have analytics all up here hundred percent without having some feel to it either I totally agree with that I think that's well said all right Fox Sports Radio with Jim Jackson Mark Willer Jennifer Hale. Uh, on the Pelicans coming up in one minute. Let's get Ilo in here. Good afternoon, Ilo. We got games going on. Tell us, tell us what's happening. Big time. Good afternoon, Mark and Jim. Malcolm Brogdon has just hit a dramatic three-pointer out of the right quarter with 33.5 seconds to go to give Milwaukee a 102-100 to lead over the Boston Celtics in the fourth quarter of Game 4 of the playoffs with the Celtics leading the series two games to one. Boston drawing a foul, so the Celtics will go to the free-throw line with 20 29.6 to go, trailing by 2, 102 to 100. Celtics trailed the game by 20 with 719 left in the third quarter before Brogdon's three. Jason Tatum hit a 20-foot jumper to give Boston its first lead since 14 to 13. And the Celtics right now at the free throw line, down 2. The first one is good. It's 102 to 101 Milwaukee, 29.6 seconds left to play in the fourth quarter. Tipping off just about 10 minutes from now, Game 4 from San Antonio. Antonio with the Golden State Warriors leading the Spurs three games to none. Spurs assistant Ettore Messina once again serving as acting head coach today for the San Antonio. Back to Milwaukee, the second free throw for the tie by Al Horford of the Celtics is good. 102 to 102. <laughs> it's Milwaukee's ball with 29.6 seconds left to play in the fourth quarter. Baseball, Yankees leading the Blue Jays 5-1 in the top half of the eighth inning. The Cubs a 3-0 lead over the Rockies in the bottom of the first inning. By the way, in that game, the Cubs' Chris Bryant had to leave the game after being hit in the helmet by a pitch from Colorado's Herman Marquez. We go back to you, Mark and Jim, with the Bucks tipping it in and taking wow. a 104-102 lead over the Celtics, who call time 5.1 to play in the fourth, guys. Very good. Remember, though, there were three buzzer beaters, basically, ah. the last time we were in here watching these two teams. So there's still plenty of time left, but that was a big time play right there. Bucks up by two. Woo! And with regard to Chris Bryant being hit in the head, 
Herman Marquez was one of the guys suspended coming off the bench when the Rockies and Padres got into it a week and a half ago. Uh, I'm starting to really not like the Rockies. These guys are like, they're <laughs> dirty, man. Dirty uh, or tough? They, Which oh, one is it? Come on. Dirty. Dirty. Okay. Don't throw right. people's heads, period. You yeah, can throw no, you inside. Don't. Hit them in the ribs. Don't throw out their head. Uh, Mark and Jim, Fox Sports Radio. Let's get Jennifer Hale in here. Fox Sports Southwest Pelican sideline. You can follow her on Twitter at JenHale504. Uh, Jen, so good to have you. Can you please explain what did this team find Oh, you know, a week and a half ago. What have they been eating? What is going on? They look completely different. It's been a crazy ride, hasn't it, guys? It's, it's been awesome to watch. Um, it, it's really been something that's phenomenal. Their defense, more than anything, started clicking and clicking in a way that none of us have ever seen this season. Uh, Drew Holiday is borrowing a page out of Rondo's playbook, and, and we've got playoff Drew now. Um, <laughs> when he's good for when he's good to shut down Damian Lillard, plus he gives you twenty points a night. You can't stop that. It, the great thing has been that there have been contributions from so many different folks. Um, it wasn't just Anthony Davis putting the team on his back. It was a variety of sources stepping up and providing scoring and providing defense leading the charge night after night. Jennifer, a couple things stand out to me. One, and as good as Boogie Cousins is, the pace of play changed. There were six when he was on the court. They moved to first afterwards, and you talked about the defense. Is that a direct result, the, 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 the winning? The defense is getting better in regards to their pace has changed, not only on the offensive end, but their ability to switch and play multiple guys that are similar size on defensive end. Absolutely. Last night, there was a bit of a lull in that first half. Uh, it was definitely more of a battle than we'd seen this season, and I don't think the ball was moving as much. The pace was much slower. This Pelican squad is at their best when they're playing fast, the ball's moving, and they're getting out getting fast break points. Uh, that's the key for them, both offensively and defensively. As, as you mentioned, you know that game three, they were able to force 24 turnovers for the Trailblazers. You just don't see that normally out of Portland, and it's because they were getting in and out of those defensive rotations so fast that allowed them to get their hands on the ball, make it a very helter-skelter game. Uh, so, so pace on both sides for them is, is crucial. Jennifer Hale joining us on the Pelicans. Jennifer, was it a blessing in, this, uh, in disguise that, that Boogie Cousins got hurt? You know, I'd never call something like that a blessing in disguise, guys. Uh, it it, it I will say I think that it had silver linings and that it brought this team closer together in many ways. Uh, adversity either sinks you or, or helps you find another level, and it helped this team find another level. Um, Long term, I do think you need three superstars to be a, a perennial powerhouse in the NBA. So, so they're going to need him back, no doubt. But in the short term, for now, they have found a way to make it work and to adjust and and they're really getting the job done. I, I know I'm a homer in some ways, but if I were the Golden State Warriors, I wouldn't want to play the Pelicans right now. They yeah. really look unstoppable. And Jennifer, for me, I, this is a selfish question because Alvin Gentry was my assistant coach in, with the Phoenix Suns, and I love the job that he's doing. But he was under some fire. He was under pressure in regards to the Pelicans not really performing at a high level. How has he and his staff solidified themselves, and what kind of impact has his positivity had on his team at, through this oh. uh, winning. Yeah, it's been huge. No secret at all, guys, that both Del Demp, general manager, and Alvin Gentry, 
their jobs were on the line. If the Pelicans did not, did not make the playoffs this year, they were gone. That was something that folks openly acknowledged around the, the team facility. So, yes, a tremendous amount of pressure. Uh, anybody who knows Alvin Gentry, he is Mr. Positive, Mr. Friendly. Uh, I, I just don't think the guy's ever had a, a bad day that he lets show anyway. Uh, and and it, so for me, it's awesome to see that getting paid forward, getting paid off, that uh, he did stay positive, he did keep this team together, and, and now now it's all coming to fruition for him, and, and he's looking like a genius. They're peaking at just the right time, and it, it, it's really it's fun to see. We can pass along that the Celtics missed their game-tying opportunity. Bucks have evened the series with a 104-102 win over Boston and Milwaukee today. Jennifer Hale is joining us as we, uh, let's be honest, we're getting ready for Pelicans-Warriors, even though the Warriors haven't really completed their series yet. We're probably about three hours away from, from that official answer. We'll see. And, Jen, you just said it. If, if you're the Warriors, you don't want to face this team right now. I'm going to ask you to kind of you know, use your, your instinct here. Any NBA player will always say, yes, we feel confident against blank, but what do you observe as far as the confidence level you think New Orleans would have against Golden State in this next round? I think last night was very telling about the Pelicans' confidence level. I, you know, I've covered this team for six years, and I've seen them fold in pressure situations many, many a time. I was really proud of them last night because they did not panic. They did not uh, revert to their former ways. So, yeah, I think their confidence level is at an all-time high, and it should be. And don't forget, they beat the Golden State Warriors on the Warriors' home court right towards the end of the season in a crucial game for standing. Uh, if they had not won that one, the Pelicans could have very well have slipped all the way down to eighth and had to play the Rockets in the first round, which was something they desperately wanted to avoid. So I think they know they're playing great basketball. They're relying on each other. They have a tremendous amount of trust in each other. Uh, Mark, I'm sure you can speak to this as well. It's the popular thing to say that we trust our teammates and we're playing for a team goal. It's all about the team win. It's another thing for for the guys to really mean that and really live that. And that's what this team is doing right now. It's not about anybody's individual stat line. It's about who's hot, beating that person, making sure that they get the team win, and, and they need it. They're not just using it as a catchphrase to say the right thing. Well, I tell you what, the NBA the last few years has sometimes had to wait until the late rounds to get really intriguing matchups. It's not going to be the case this year. Uh, this Pelicans-Warriors matchup, assuming it does go ahead and happen, I think is going to be fantastic, highly rated, all that stuff. Uh, Jennifer Hale, Fox Sports Southwest with the Pelicans. Thank you so much. Great to have you today. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. Have a great day. All right, there she goes, Jennifer Hale, Pelicans, and uh, we're assuming Warriors in the next round, uh, and that is going to be good. I want to get your thoughts on that, and speaking of those Golden State Warriors, I do think they're about to face something they have not faced in this entire four-year run. We'll tell you about that in just a moment. We're live in the Fox Sports Radio studios. Easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with GEICO. GEICO GEICO.com or 800-947-AUTO, the only hard part, figuring out which way is easier? Jim Jackson, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio. And which is uh, two sweeps, and those two teams then face one another in the next round, which means that series is going to start a little bit earlier than it would have, which means Steph Curry's probably not playing in that series. And the Pelicans these last week and a half, two weeks, three weeks, whatever you want to call it, they look like a new animal 
And so if there's no Steph for the Warriors up against this new animal, how intriguing, how scary is this? What kind of chances do you give the Pels? A big chance. To, um, to do what, by the way? To win the series? Yeah. Woo. With no Steph? Well, it, it, um, the, and the reason why is because here's the thing that I love about it is that this team kind of plays like the Warriors with no ego. Okay, which Great is point. which is which is really and that's what you see with uh with Utah too. Joe Ingles is my new favorite guy. That's your guy, huh? That's, yeah, that's my that's my favorite guy. I mean, one of my new but they play for each other. <laughs> for each other. They understand their role. So they understand the guy is Anthony Davis. Okay? But Rondo now embraces the fact that now he can control what's going on. Okay? Alvin Gentry finally got him to understand that. And he's take, but he's played well in playoffs before. Think about when he played with Chicago; he played extremely well. But he's in that series. Boston got problems. Okay, so he understands his role. Drew Holiday now is able to operate in a comfort level where he doesn't have to run everything. Mm-hmm. He can piggyback off what Rondo's doing. Miritek comes in. Alvin Gentry said, "Just shoot the ball when you're open. You shoot it. You get good shots, and so on and so on." So now you embrace that. That is so tough, and that's why Golden State is tough to beat. Because it's not about me, me, me. If my guy is open, I'm going to give it to him. If my guy is hot, I'm going to make sure he gets the ball. That's why the Pelicans have a chance, besides the fact that Steph's not playing. Pace of play, this is number one team in the, in the league, Pelicans, back half of the season. Mm-hmm. Okay, The Warriors, the last three years, if you fine-tune and take a look at who they've had to beat in the playoffs, this is nothing away from them. They're obviously an all-time team and the best team the last three years when you put it all together. But they've had some breaks. Oh, yeah. They've had a lot of injuries happen in front of them for the other teams. Remember Doc Rivers famously after year one? Oh, you didn't have to face us. Mm-hmm. You didn't have to face the Spurs. They faced the Spurs last year. Kawhi gets hurt right away. Boom, done. Changes the whole series. Warriors don't lose a game until they get to the very last game. Um, Kyrie injury, Kevin Love injury. They've had breaks. Guess what? Yeah, well, they that won this one in this series. And here. they're playing a Kawhi-less Spurs and again, he, and it could have been any team. It could yep. have been the Thunder yep. with Russ freaking out because he hates the Warriors. All of this stuff could have happened. Another break. Guess what? I think the breaks are over because now they're facing, as you just detailed, this newly found uh, whatever, lightning in a bottle that the Pelicans have. If they can navigate it, they're going to face what? The first road series they've played in this entire four-year run if they have to go to Houston in the conference finals. Very, very good team. No home court advantage. And then, if they can navigate that, what awaits them in the finals? Well, we don't know, but probably something new. Something new, and what we know about the Warriors, if there is kryptonite, mm-hmm. I'll never forget Tristan Thompson when the Cleveland Cavaliers beat him two years ago. It's somebody who has an incredible interior presence, offensively and defensively. Who has that? The Sixers do, and that would be my guess as to who ends up there. If the Warriors win the championship this year, I think their next three rounds is going to be their toughest three-round stretch they've ever had. Yeah, I mean, going into 
I mean, the big question, too, their first year was that you didn't play San Antonio, you didn't play the Clippers, you limped in, you played against a Cleveland team that was depleted, and you still gave up two games yep. to a team just with LeBron James. You know, it's it's tough because, you know, they've always had to prove something I think they'll be motivated by, but but it's good for the NBA because you just don't Great. know. You don't know what's going to happen. I think the excitement that the Pelicans bring, let's keep in mind, second half of the season, this Pelican team played extremely well. So it's not like they just caught fire the last, like, week of the season. They've been building towards this. They've oh, but, been building. But no, but no one expected no, no. that first round. Well, no. You no, didn't. No, nobody, no, no, no way. I mean, how rare is it in professional sports when a team that you don't even think is going to win the series sweeps, sweeps. the no, series? It, it not, what was held up and, and swept it in a way where it wasn't like it was a bunch of game winners right. to win the game. They won. They crushed they them. They crushed them. Okay. Portland, if you, if you, if you were to take away the name and the ranking, you would just say, okay, oh, well, Pelicans had to finish third. They had to be home court. They had the better players. They had the better – yeah. they, if you look at it overall, they had the better season. They had the be- – oh. No, oh, no, it was Portland that was in third. Oh. I'm, t- I'm it, Amazing. Well, and that's the Western Conference. There was Houston, there was Golden State, and then there was just a lot. There was a long line of teams that were all pretty similar. And so – Maybe we shouldn't be surprised that there are surprises, but there's no way any of us could have been thinking sweep. Mm-mm. And and right now, I'm a big believer in the playoffs. Uh, March Madness, for example. I'm a big believer, like, you can see when a team has a look. Villanova had a look. Yeah. They had a look mm-hmm. the whole time. Yeah. When they catch that time at that moment, they look like they're stepping into their moment. That's what the Pelicans look like, man. AD and Drew, that looks like a problem. That is a duo that is a problem right now for I don't care who. Yeah, but but it's not a gimmick. Okay. No. It's it's not like the Pelicans came in and they're doing something that's gimmicky. What they're beating you with is AD on the pick and roll, pick and pop, Rondo probing, 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 making plays, Mirtek coming down in transition, spotting up, Drew Holiday able to get off the dribble, beat guys, finishing inside, but then taking a shot, and they look under control and confident. They look confident like a team that has made a playoff run for the last six or seven years. That was the ironic part because when Portland tried to make a run, every time the Pelicans were able to respond. And I give a lot of credit to Rondo. He's been scrutinized, some things that went on, especially in Sacramento and Dallas. Give him a lot of credit for settling those guys down when they needed to, getting the right play at the right time. And, and now they're moving on, and I, I can't wait till the Golden State. He's been there. AD had never won a playoff game right. until last week, and now he's got four in a row. All right. Alex Marvez next hour. Unwritten rules next. Okay, Alex Marvez in a half hour. We got a lot of football stuff to get to, including the star player I now believe is is literally trying to get traded. Uh, we'll tell you about that here in a few. <laughs> We're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. I think you know who I'm talking about. I know what you're talking about. 15 minutes can save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com for a free rate quote. But here's something I, I find interesting, and when I use the word interesting, I'm using that kindly because annoying is also something that I could use to describe uh, what I'm about to talk about. But let me ask you this. You're a basketball player, so in the NBA – what are the unwritten rules? Are there any? Yeah. What I mean, are they? I think you saw it with Chris Paul, Damian Lillard. When Chris Paul ended the game, had a layup, they were up. He could have pulled the ball out, and he went and laid the ball up. Or like a guy, you're up big, you 
happen to get a fast break mm-hmm. and you kind of do a show-off windmill dunk or you do something <laughs> instead of pulling it out, unwritten rule, if you up, just pull it back out and run the clock down. Okay. You mean like if it's on the final possession? Yeah, on, fi- on final possession. 15 seconds 15 left. 15 seconds left, why, why shoot it? Right. Or that's like you, you know, you, you're holding the ball and you know the shot clock is at 10, the game clock may be at 12. Just let the shot clock go out, turn over, okay. and go. Instead of trying to go to the basket and go and get a point. Don't show me up. Don't show, yeah, you won it, the game. It often comes down to don't show me up. And I think that that, in a basketball sense, that's pretty easy. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty eyes wide open yeah. obvious to see. Don't show me up. Football, we're up by 30. There's a minute left. Don't throw a bomb down the field. Or... Or to like, don't try if if I'm if I'm just go down the ball. Yeah, don't try a little trick play to get some extra yards or right. some stuff like that. This happened with USC and UCLA you know? a few years ago. There was a, the, the rivalry game was at the Coliseum, and I forget the exact score. Rob, uh, big UCLA fan or producer, might remember better. Uh-huh. But but USC, it was forty three nothing. Yeah, USC was crushing mm-hmm. UCLA, and it was late in the fourth quarter. And this was still in the Pete Carroll era, right? Was Carroll still the coach? It was Lane Kiffin was the coach. Okay, and they ran some play um, and (laughs) threw threw the ball down the field, and they won 50 to nothing as opposed to 43. And and, and like a fight almost broke out on the field, as you would expect. Exactly. Okay. The problem in baseball is not uh, that those exact same rules don't exist. They exist in all sports. Mm -hmm. But in baseball, they're so flipping intricate and – I, I, I'm sorry, I'm going to borrow a phrase from my mom. I've had it up to here. <laughs> I had it. Justin Verlander yesterday is mad because somebody stole second when they were down five to nothing. In the middle, it was, but it was the middle. It, it was still like, like the fifth, fifth inning. Fifth right, inning, the fifth inning, yeah. And, and, and the guy was happy about it or something when he got to second. I'm like, what are you? And so he was, t- I'm like, what are you talking about? First of all, five nothing is not insurmountable. Second of all, I don't think there is any such thing as hot dogging if the team is losing. Hold up, he tried to steal again though. He tried to steal the third. Great, but Verlander steal was third. But he was upset because <laughs> what's wrong with that? His giveaway, which was his leg, he wasn't trying to hide the fact of what pitch he was throwing. He wasn't trying to hold the runner. He wasn't trying to hold the runner. So I guess in his mind, the runner wasn't, wasn't supposed to try to steal base to try to get back in the game because. You didn't want to do it. I mean, Yawn. Th- listen, it's some I, I stuff do, I understand, oh, gosh. and I'm not a pitcher, so I don't get it, but if you're down 5-0, you're in the fifth. That means you still got time oh my gosh. A, to get back in this game and win it. So that stolen base puts you in scoring position. If somebody else gets on or is a home run, now you got – I don't – Again – Help and, me and, understand. Well, so he's mad because the guy in his mind sort of celebrated it. He celebrated the base. Right. And Justin's right. like, but I wasn't even trying to stop you from stealing the base, so don't celebrate it. And I'm sitting here going, you know, listen, uh, fault leaders in the human race will all tell you the same thing. The purpose of life is to be happy. That is why we're here. That is the purpose of life, to be happy. So, why is it in baseball seemingly only when something good happens and someone shows joy, the opponent loses their mind? Loses their mind. No joy. I, you're showing me up. A, a fist pump is not showing someone up. 
enjoying a home run for a second and a half at home plate is not showing someone up. Dikembe Mutombo in the NBA would literally wag a massive finger in someone's face if he blocked their shot. Nobody in the NBA had any problem with that. You, you know what it is, though? It's like, okay, so you're playing in match play. Okay. In golf. Golf, yes. And you probably got a gimme, <laughs> and the guy tells, <laughs> makes you putt it. Well, okay, but... Okay, but you, you know what I'm saying? I do, but you know what a golfer would do about that? And I wish Verlander would do the same thing. You can be annoyed. Just keep that under your hat. Put it in your back pocket. Okay. Yeah. I'm annoyed, um, and I'll handle that however I want to handle that. But to go to the media afterwards and start complaining can, can because somebody stole a base when okay. they were down 5 nothing. Can you imagine if it's golf and, and the guy gets annoyed, he starts <laughs> whacking you with his putter? Exactly. <laughs> Drop he, the putter. He, he comes down and pops you, uh, in the, pops you in the shin. Tell you what, golf, golf's <laughs> ratings would go up. Oh, big time. Big time. You want some rivalries? <laughs> Have some guys get into it on a golf course. Some guy chasing I, somebody I with a four iron. I guarantee you <laughs> it would be the oh. ratings would jump off the charts. <laughs> <laughs> baseball, baseball players, I've decided, are uh, the biggest sticks in the mud in sports. Is it? Is it because it's you know the history of the game, the pastime, the tradition, the it, a lot of that has to do with it. It does. I mean, and it's just like, but but what's weird is everything in life has that. Get an eighty-year-old guy and sit him next to a twelve-year-old and. Ask them to have a conversation. They're, they're probably not yeah. going to connect opinion-wise on much uh, unless one of them's like grandfather. Leon's like, here's a $20 kid. But, you know, yeah, I love you. I mean, yeah, there's that connection, but they're not going to see the world the same way. Yeah. What's weird in baseball is I get it that the old guard, the managers, see it one way. How is it that they get all the 20-year-olds to agree? They don't in any other sport. It's bizarre. I know. Is it is it because of the system of maybe going through the minor leagues as well, as far as it being Im- embedded into you? Is it when they're in their um, high schools and maybe not the team, but in their leagues, how it's embedded in them well, when they're I, younger? I think everybody in every sport they want to instill in you are respect. Yeah, but for the but, game. but it's something. But, but, but in, in basketball, at the young age right now. It's a little bit different, bro. Well, it, it ain't the same. Of like, course. But you know what I'm saying? But, I mean, that's not considered disrespecting the sport if Steph Curry hits a long three and shimmies. That's a, No one would be like, dude, you're disrespecting the game. Right. That, that's In what, baseball, if you even – But, see, that's what I'm saying. But the game evolved. Before, right. you didn't know, never want to show somebody up a, a while ago in the league, the celebration part of it. Right. You didn't want to do that. Dudes took that serious. Sure. Now it's like eh, okay, yeah. but the, the but the game and the mentality has evolved. The teachers who are teaching it evolved. What we're saying in baseball is that everything has grown with years apart from forties and fifties, but yet and still, a lot of the things still stay in place. Right, which is why it is so ironic to me that it was a baseball movie where Brad Pitt uttered the famous line, "Moneyball, adapt or die." That was a baseball movie. Isn't it funny? Baseball right now, I would love to tell all of them that exact same quote. Adapt or die. I mean, that's what you're looking at. I've also, and this is just as a fan, I've always had kind of a a rule in the back of my mind when I'm watching sports. And granted, listen, I'm all for sportsmanship and class. And yes, don't throw a trick play bomb when you're up by 43 points. I understand that. However, 
if you want the other team to stop playing because they're up by so much, if you'd like them to stop playing, then leave the field. Leave the field. Trick play, bomb, okay, I get it. But, for instance, if, uh, you know, Alabama's playing the Citadel and they win by 75, Mm -hmm. I'm all right with it that when they were up by 68, they were still running plays. Because there's a game going on. And if you would like it to be over, just depart. Leave the field. (laughs) Or else the other team gets to keep playing the same way you do. But especially, we're talking about a 5 nothing game. I know. Still in the balance. It's amazing. Still in the balance. And it's not like it's a trick play. It's like you you said, if you're up on Citadel 65 nothing, you start running the trick play. Like a flea flicker. That's... I mean, you know what I mean? It's below the board. it's below the board. But you could still run the play. Yeah. And by the way, you could throw a... Five yard out, and I would bring in a second string quarterback and work on some things. Sure, it'll be a five yard out, maybe a ten yard to the corner, a you know, a go route just a little bit, just so they can work on something. Not that we're rubbing it in. And, and by the way, shouldn't that backup quarterback like you want him to be able to exactly. work on some things? And uh-huh. if that and if that means a fifteen yard pass over the middle, okay, okay. And by the way, if I were the coach, I might even you know during a timeout, I might send someone over to the other sideline. Hey, let them know I got a backup. I'm not saying we're going to throw bombs or trick plays, but I want them to work on some things. We're going to run some plays here. That's I mean, nice of you, Mark. Thank you. Yeah, communication is a big part of the world. That's don't nice you think? You. More <laughs> coaches and people thought like that. Whew. Right, better world. <laughs> okay. All right, <laughs> Alex Marvez and a few. Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, Fox Sports Radio. Next, major star in the NFL. And I'm, I, I'm convinced he's now trying to get traded. That's next. All right, the Spurs are up by seven, make it nine on the Warriors. Nine minutes to go. This is going exactly like you and I talked about before the game started. We're like, yes, sir. Warriors look kind of like they're having a hard time being motivated for this game. And you know what? I could conspiracy theory this, except for I still think the Warriors will win this game. You know, extending this series pushes back round two, gives Steph Curry more time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Uh, no? No. <laughs> you, I think you, the, you risk I, something else going on, yeah, too, no with doubt, that, no too. No, the, I mean, the, the Warriors are going, try. you know, I Good think try. halftime, they'll be down by seven or eight points, and by the end of the third quarter, they won't be down anymore. That's their MO. They look a little bit sleepy today. Uh, they're going to need somebody to sort of punch them in the mouth, and the Spurs are, are doing exactly that. Um, so uh, we'll see. Right now, Spurs uh, up by nine, and still a lot of time to go second quarter, about eight and a half minutes. Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, Alex Marvez in ten minutes. So I'm starting to put all these pieces together. Rob Gronkowski's trying to get traded, right? <laughs> I mean, he's try- it's not like, oh, this could happen. I mean, he is actively attempting to get himself traded. Hmm. Well, let me ask you a question. Okay. This, this, I mean, this has like been Teflon Don, the New England way, the things that don't happen there. and But all of a sudden, it's just like just slowly like the thread at the bottom of your pants right there or your shirt. You saw it one day and it just, eh, it's nothing. I'll just mm-hmm. pull on it a little bit. Next thing you know, it's unraveling all the way. What is, what is going on? Okay, I actually can answer that. Okay, come on. I asked that question. Yeah to the gentleman I host on Saturdays with, who used to play for the Patriots. And isn't it interesting that, to a degree, the same thing is happening in the San Antonio Spurs at the exact same time, and it's for the same reason. 
what happens when you have a coach who is seen as bigger than the players? Mm-hmm. Like that's almost nowhere. Especially in, in, in professional the sports. Right. Like Profe- the yeah. biggest player, that's right. who LeBron runs the Cavs. Right. You know, Steph and KD, that's that's who's running things at Golden State. Mm-hmm. But Pop and Belichick, they always get the stars to just fit in the box. How do they do that? Well, their best player agrees to fit in the box. Right. And therefore, everybody else better fit in the box too. Well, over the last year, Tom Brady doesn't want to fit in the box anymore. Tom Brady's got his own trainer, TB12 method. He's getting ready for retirement. Bill Belichick doesn't like it. Bill Belichick, I believe, went to Robert Kraft and said, I kind of like this Garoppolo guy for next year. How about you? Uh Tom, not too keen on that idea. And all of a sudden, look what happens. Tom Brady and Belichick, not eye-to-eye, suddenly... Malcolm Butler's not eye-to-eye. Rob Gronkowski's not eye-to-eye. Danny Amendola leaves and says, what the hell's going on? Everybody else is not eye-to-eye anymore with Bill Belichick when this has never happened before. It's all a trickle-down from the top player. I have no knowledge of anything. That's what's going on, I think. And Rob Gronkowski has gone from, I might not play, to, um, boy, I wasn't having any fun, Yeah. to now showing up, at the facility mm-hmm. and saying, I'm not showing up at the facility <laughs> because I've got like motocross yeah, training or something. Work on this stuff. Do we have some of what he said yeah. yesterday? Here it is. The status is doing really great. I've been riding dirt bikes, I've been training really hard. I can vroom, vroom really good. I can ride that bike like no other. And uh, my speed is up there. Are you still contemplating retirement from the from football? Uh, it depends how how my racing skills go today. Do you plan on attending the optional workouts that are upcoming? Uh, no, <laughs> I've got dirt biking skills. <laughs> what dirt? Huh, who, who, wait, who else in the league? Who else in the league can get away with a press conference like that? I can vroom vroom really good. No, hold up. What about the freak league? When he said that, when he come back, that's right. Yeah, freak league. Come on, Petey Pablo. I'm telling you, man. Who who else? It's not even just I'm not going to go to your workout that's right here where I'm standing, yeah. but it's so that I can go put my body in danger by dirt biking. Yeah. Work on his skills. <laughs> He's basically yelling at Belichick, nee, 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 trade me. Isn't he? Okay, what we got freak a leak? They're gonna see a freak a leak <laughs> <laughs> when I come back. I mean, that's what. So you are coming back. Oh, maybe. <laughs> he goes and says that. He's making oh, a you, mockery he, of the whole thing. Yep. Yep. And what and if you're Bob Kraft and, and, and the organization, what do you do? Because you got these two things on your head. Now, Brady wants a two-year extension, right? Uh, I don't know. I don't uh, know where what he's I, at. That's where yeah. I heard. I mean, I heard back door. That's what he wants to have. Okay. But you, you got two things. It's, it's different when you got one. You can kind of manage that. But you got Gronk out here that's on a whole nother level, mm-hmm. okay? You kind of gave him his leeway. Now it comes back on you. Players feel he has a voice. He's like, oh, okay, whatever. I mean, what how do you how do you how do you manage this situation? It's gonna be very interesting to see how Bob Kraft, who him and Tom Brady are, you know, joined at the hip, how he handles this. Well, it, it all comes down to, for me, this is gonna come down to where does the Patriot way currently stand? Because remember, Belichick, Pop, guys like this, there's a system. 
and they follow that system to the letter of the law no matter what. Well, the no matter what got challenged last year when Belichick, I believe, at least insinuated, you know, the system suggests it's time for us to go to Jimmy Garoppolo. Tom Brady is 40, Mm -hmm. Garoppolo's really good, and it's time for him to get paid. And so we can't pay him both. So how about Garoppolo? Kraft says, Brady's too big of an icon. We can't do it. Boom. The chain has been snapped. The Patriot way, for the first time, has its exception. Yep. Well, so now, what if there's another conversation? What about Gronk, who's iconic, but not Brady-level iconic? Does Kraft now feel empowered or, or something along those lines to say, well, no, we're going to break the Patriot way again? Or does Belichick say Brady was the one-time exception, now we're going to go back to the way we do business, and the way we do business when somebody starts acting out in this system and is high-priced and injury-prone and potentially replaceable is we're going to move on from him. Well, here's the thing. Have they won a Super Bowl without Tom Brady? No. Okay. Have they won one without Gronk? Yes. Okay. So it, big difference. Sure. Big. Di- so so the decision making process is we can still survive and win without Gronk. We can be competitive without Tom Brady, but we're not winning the Super Bowl. So I think the decision making from an organization is made a lot easier when you start to look at terms of Gronk's health his inability to stay healthy through the course of the year. We've won without him in the past as mm-hmm. good as and great as he is. Right. But with Tom, it's a different story. Right. And plus the relationship, like you talked about, between Kraft and Tom is totally different. So he's standing up for his guy while Belichick is like, oh, for years we've always cut the cord before a guy gets older. Okay? Or if we bring him in when he's older, he's serviceable enough where he's in possession position where he's not playing a lot of the uh, snaps and he's not in the game for a lot of minutes. Different philosophy now that you're talking about Tom. Right. It throws everything off. Completely. Yes. I mean, look in the history of sports. Who's ever? Give me a team that has been faced with, oh, we've got two really good options, um, but we can't keep them both. Let's pick the older one? Who, who, who I know the, Lake, the Lakers did it here with Shaq and Kobe, and, and Buss was like, mm, I got to go with Kobe. Got to go with the younger one. Got to go with the younger one. I mean, and, and we're not talking about older. We're talking about 40. Yeah. Like, even at, at, at its absolute best, this has a very short amount of time left. And that's what they chose. The guy that they got rid of is already, within moments, the highest paid player in the mm-hmm. sport. This is an insanely sought-after person. <laughs> the Patriots gave him away in favor of someone who's gave 40 years gave old. Gave him away. Right. You think that makes any sense at all nope. in the mind of Bill Belichick? None. So, I look, I don't know what Gronk would command right now. The draft is four days away. A lot of wheeling and dealing happens at the draft. I don't think all those things are a coincidence. You think, so? you think they're on the phone entertaining some things? I think this week these teams are all on the phone all hours of the day. I mean, would it, would it shock you? Remember, no. here's what else the Patriots have. They have now two first-round draft, draft picks. picks. They just yep. moved – they just moved into the first round for the second time by grabbing Brandon Cook's uh, Rams pick. Mm-hmm. So now they get two first-round draft picks and a tight end interested in motocross. <laughs> and Bill Belichick, what does he need going forward? A quarterback. Would it shock me if Bill Belichick suddenly found himself at pick number five <laughs> and the other team got two first-rounders in Gronk? 
wouldn't shock me At one all. bit. Nope. But would would management allow him to do that is the question. Because now you're talking about not only the friction between those, but also a little friction between Kraft and Belichick. Oh, I think that's already I, there. I, yeah, but I'm just right? saying, but now <laughs> his wants compared to what maybe Bob Kraft wants, Robert yeah. Kraft, how does that – how does that work in the trade scenario? Yeah. I mean, do we go back to Bill saying, this is what's right, let's exactly. do it? Or Kraft just... Because he already told you, we need a backup quarterback. We need a quarterback. Yep. We need to develop somebody. If we're going to continue to win. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> oh, well, I bet Alex Marvez would be good in this conversation. So how about if in 60 seconds uh, we bring him in? We'll do that. But right now, let's get Ilo in here with the latest out and about on a big NBA and MLB Sunday. Ilo. Mark, tons to talk about, starting with Game 4 in San Antonio, where the Spurs, with their season on the line, lead the Golden State Warriors 50-35 to with 3.08 left to play in the second quarter, with the Warriors leading the series three games to none. Warriors head coach Steve Kerr wired for sound today, courtesy of ABC. Here he was in a huddle a short time ago. Let's get engaged, right? Get engaged. Um, you know, we're, we're turning it over. We're not really running back. Like, it's a playoff game. This is what we expected. They're bringing it. we got to bring it. we got to bring it. And they're still bringing it with the Spurs up by 15 in the second quarter. Earlier in Game 4 in the East, the Bucks and Celtics tied in the final seconds with Milwaukee in possession. Here's Ted Davis on WTMJ. Maker at the high post. Hand back to Brogdon. Dribble penetration to the rim. The floater is no good. Tipped up and in. Giannis tips it. 104-102. Bucks lead. Five seconds to go in the game. And then one last chance for Boston. Giannis to front Tatum. Tatum looking. Lob it in. Morris catches. Three seconds. Morris lifting for the jumper. No good. Horn sounds. Bucks win. So that series now tied at two games apiece. Finally, guys, two baseball notes. The Cubs' Chris Bryant had to leave today's game at Colorado after being hit in the helmet by a pitch. Cubs say Bryant has a small laceration above his eye from his sunglasses but has shown no signs of a concussion. The Cubs lead the Rockies 6-2 in the top of the fourth. Elsewhere, the Angels and Giants scoreless. They're just in the top of the first, but earlier in the inning, the Giants' Brandon Belt lined out to right against the Angels' Jaime Barria in the longest at-bat in all of Major League history. Whoa. 21 (laughs) pitches, including 16 foul balls. But here's the most awesome part ever. The previous record was a 20-pitch at-bat. In 1998, between Ricky Gutierrez and, of all people, naturally, Bartolo Colon in 1998. Back to you. Bartolo Colon still pitching 400 years later. Incredible. All right, Ilo, great stuff. So much for pace of play in baseball. Um, Alex Marvez joining us in a second. We're live in the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. It's easy to save 15% or more on car insurance with Geico. Go to geico.com or call 800-947-AUTO. Only hard part figuring out. Which way is easier? Sirius XM NFL, Sporting News Insider, at Alex Marvez on Twitter. Alex, always great to talk to you. We just threw it out there. Uh, We feel like Rob Gronkowski's trying, not hoping, not thinking about (laughs) trying to get traded. Yeah? What do you think? You know what? Very well could be. I I mean, look, and and obviously all is not well with the New England Patriots right now, and Rob Gronkowski pursuing a lot of other things. 
beside football. I don't think it's an accident that he isn't there for the start of the offseason program. And the same goes for Tom Brady. Now, for in Tom's case, I don't think that's a money situation. I think that's more him snubbing his nose at, at Bill Belichick and, and wanting to continue to work out in his sort of way. And, and it is an odd situation with Tom, the leader of the team, not being there for the start of offseason workouts. But you are correct about Gronkowski. The question is, though, if he gets traded, does he retire if not given a new contract? He is set to make $8 million this season. He signed an eight-year deal a long time ago at a time when his back wasn't in such great shape. And, and you know, he was considered, you know, look, you know, it's the type of thing that if he can get through this contract, fantastic. Well, he's played deep into it now. I think the guy wants more cash, too. We'll see if the Patriots are willing to bend. If you give him a new deal, is he willing to come back in and become part of the flock again? We'll find out soon enough, right? Hey, Alex, it, it, I think Mark made this point. Because you, the best player, Tom Brady, bought into the system, everybody else bought in. But now that he's kind of being a maverick and so is drunk, does that open the door a little bit more for other players who may be disgruntled and unhappy to kind of follow the same kind of path? Well, I mean, I'm trying to think there who has enough cachet to follow that type of path, right? I mean, you know, look, Stephon Gilmore is making a lot of money. You would think, you know, he would, you know, possibly, but, I, I you know, look, for, for a team that benched Malcolm Butler during the Super Bowl, right, for Bill Belichick, I, I don't think he, you know what I mean? I, I think it's like there's maybe special rules for a couple guys on this team. I don't see how many more there are, you know, beside Gronk or Brady that are going to get this type of, of treatment, you know, from the Patriots and, you know, not apparently buying in right now with what's happening this off season. So we'll see how Belichick responds, too, because, look, he's never dealt with this before with Brady. And he hasn't really had a star player that I can remember, you know, just sort of like Warnkowski has. You know, he's out doing all sorts of other stuff except for football. <laughs> it is just, it is really, really strange right now what has happened up in New England, no question. Alex Marvez joining us, Fox Sports Radio. Alex, pretty quiet on the Dez front. <laughs> what, what's, what's going on here? It's like nobody want him or what's going on? It's all money. I mean, look, and Des was looking for a lot of cash. The Dallas Cowboys did him no favors with a late release one month into the offseason signing period. Now that, obviously, the Cowboys, you know, people can say that they did Des dirty, and I understand that, but Des's agents, unfortunately, didn't put a clause in his contract saying that a certain part of his salary had to be guaranteed, for example. If he was on the roster by a certain date, that would have forced the Dallas Cowboys to make a move earlier on than what they did right now. So I think most teams have addressed their wide receiver need. You're going to see even more. More of that being done during the 2018 NFL draft. But I wouldn't be surprised if a team lying in the weeds, and I think really think the Washington Redskins may end up being this team, make an offer, may even just be a one-year type of offer is what Des may end up taking. But, you know, get something done before the draft. I think that's why, I think that's when his best stuff is going to come his way. Because teams, again, if you have a wide receiver needs, if you take a guy in the second round, really only one or two wide receivers with first-round grades, guys. And, you know, you're talking D.J. Moore of Maryland, and we're talking Calvin Ridley of Alabama. And other than that, I'm not saying there aren't going to be good players, but they're just, you know, this isn't a great class for wide receivers. So Des has a chance of signing, but the money just isn't there. They see what everyone else sees, the teams. Guy who's had three declining years of production and who isn't as fast as what he was and doesn't command double teams. He's a good player, not a great player, and it's costing Des dearly right now in terms of contract. Yeah, and Alex, I was going to ask you that too, because the leverage part of it for Des is not there. You talked about the declining season. If you're a team, too, is the question, if we bring Dez in, is he really going to get us closer to a championship? 
We, yeah, I mean, I think that's a huge question right there. You know, what are we getting? Is it someone who's going to be a positive force as well on the team? And listen, not that Des was negative in, in Dallas, because I don't want to. I don't want to say that. But is this going to be someone that have paid a certain amount of money is going to be happy to be there? Just wants to play, get his revenge on the Cowboys, maybe if the teams meet during the regular season, that type of thing. I think some people are just wondering how Des is going to respond if he isn't the guy on a team, and also if the money isn't right. I mean, so those are two things to consider as well. But look, it's not it's to our knowledge. I don't think he has any strikes in the substance of use program, anything like that. I mean, let's not paint Des out to be something that he isn't here. I mean, this isn't a complete pariah or something like that. You know, but in this case, though, the question is, what is the attitude going to be, and what are you exactly getting when you sign up Des Bryant? Would you rather have a younger player that can run faster and has more upside down the road? I think that's what a lot of teams are questioning right now as the draft approaches. Alex Marvez joining us, Sirius XM Sporting News, Fox Sports Radio with Jim Jackson. I'm Mark Willard. Alex, uh, looking at the draft, uh, you know, I, I feel like we've seen a trend the last three years, which is, okay, there's some teams that need a quarterback. Well, we'll see if they're available at 7 or 8 or 12 or whatever. And then, boom, as we get closer, teams really start to freak out, if you will, and, and, and move up. And with the depth of that position this year, I'm feeling like, you know, there, there, there might be four quarterbacks in the first, like, six picks. Do you buy that? Yeah, potentially you're right. And especially for teams that are willing to move down. If you don't have a preference, let's say, you know, you have you have choices between it and we'll just go over the Browns for this example. If you have Saquon Barkley and Bradley Chubb still available and you feel that you could move down a couple spots and still get one of those players and you don't care which one, you have them both equally graded, then, you know, you're fine with making that type of move. You know, I, I think in some cases that's, I think that's really what it is, you know, uh, for teams like that, that, you know, hey, you know, we'll grab someone that's still pretty darn good. Okay, we don't get Bradley Chubb, but let's say we get Marcus Davenport if we're the Denver Broncos and we drop down from 5 to 12 with Buffalo. We end up getting Davenport, we end up getting extra picks, and, you know, we continue to build from there. So, you know, that's the thing about it. That when you have a quarterback-heavy draft, it does make the trade possibilities just that much greater. And what we don't know right now, guys, and we're still waiting, the Miami Dolphins, how committed are they to Ryan Tannehill for the long term, you know, since they brought in all these quarterbacks for dinner, you know, the Arizona Cardinals, where do they stand at number 15? They're in prime position to move up and get somebody. So, you know, and of course, we don't, we still don't even know the teams at the top. Are the Giants willing to take a quarterback at number two and just say, okay, Peyton, you're on the, or Eli, you're on the clock and we're going to roll from there? Or are they committed to Bradley Chubb, Saquon Barkley themselves? Is this another trade partner? I mean, because we have to see too, is there another team that's going to be able to do some sort of leapfrog here? You know, in terms of Buffalo, are they done moving up? Do they go 12 to a certain spot during the week? And then can they jump up as high as number two? Well, we're going to find out soon enough because the Bills have to do something splashy, I think, if they're going to get one of the top four. Hey, Alex, you brought up a good point. You talked about the Giants and Eli Manning. Why wouldn't you, if you're the Giants, have a succession plan when you're right in primetime position with this quarterback class? Wouldn't that be a no-brainer? Well, yes and no. If you think Eli Manning has two good years left in the NFL, that's sort of an eternity, right? And you think, okay, if Eli's going to play at a pretty good level for two years, we can win. I mean, we can be at a, you know we can be back in the playoffs and we can be making some noise and we'll worry about the quarterback situation down the road. You know, it doesn't you know if just they don't take one that high in the first round, does it preclude them from taking one in the second round? Mm-hmm. Do they like one of these other kids that are in the second tier, the Mason Rudolphs of the world, Lamar Jackson, Luke Falk out of Washington State, Kyle Laletta of Richmond, Mike White, Western Kentucky. I mean, these are some of the names that you're going to hear of, of guys that have that have pro potential that are well liked. So these guys, some of them are going to be 
available there. So you could still maybe have your successor. The other thing, too, do we, what do we think about Davis Webb? You know, unfortunately, the Giants never let him play last year, Jim. That was the worst part about it. Yep. Didn't ever get him on the field. No film. We don't know what he looks like. But do the Giants think that this third-round pick can be a successor to Eli Manning? We're going to find out a lot about what they think about Davis Webb this weekend. Alex, great stuff as always. Thank you, thank you, thank you so much. Actually, you guys are wonderful. Thanks, Be good Alex. To it. Thanks, brother. There he goes. Alex Marvez, Sirius XM, Sporting News NFL Insider, joining us, draft in four days. Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, and coming up next, he is one of the most beloved athletes in the history of his sport, but is his reputation in the midst of a very negative transition? We'll get to that. Coming up next. I can vroom, vroom really good. Okay, with Jim Jackson, Mark Willard. We vroom, vrooming right now. Freak a leak. Oh, freak a leak. Sports Radio. <laughs> We're going to see a freak a leak. It's brought to you by Granger. Products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got your back to help keep your facility running. Granger, for the ones who get it done. I hate that song. All right, so um, Derek Jeter got into some sort of argument with Bryant Gumble. How dare he? <laughs> Which, you know, oh, Brian, he. Brian Gumble totally bugs people. So um, getting into an argument with Brian Gumble is not the thing, but it, it, it was a tanking conversation. It was with regard to your fan base and are you doing enough for them. And so we know that Derek's going through this. And, and as an exec, this guy, like, back me on this. He is much less likable uh, than the um, <laughs> Derek Jeter, the player. He was smooth as a player. Right. He handled his off the field um relationships. I was envious. He was right. really good with that. <laughs> um, a little get basket. Yeah, you know, get he, basket on the way. That's out right. The door. Yeah, you know, he you know, right. he, he made sure he did things the right way. But here's the thing though. But you but you gotta get rid of uh, I'll be honest with you. He he has to immediately take his mindset out of the player's role. He's not a player anymore. Mm-hmm. He's in management. And in management, is going to be some decisions, some things you got to do that's contrary to your beliefs as a player. And how, but my thing is how you handle those situations. You got to make tough decisions with us, cutting the player, whatever you need to trade in the player, whatever, <coughs> making management decisions, but it's how you do it. So <laughs> he's transitioned over to unlikable real quick and easy. <laughs> it I, seems. I mean, I started thinking about other names. Um, a great spotless record early in their career. Spotless. Fans were like, wow, this guy, we love this guy. And then either late in the career or in retirement, something changed all of that. I mean, the the first name that comes to mind, like Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods, um, and, you know, was he perfectly likable before? Not no. necessarily everybody thought so, but... Right. Um, you know, Tiger Woods had a had a pretty good image, and then suddenly it all changed. Uh, O.J. Simpson. O.J. Simpson was beloved as a player. O.J. I mean, O.J. with the advertisements, Hertz, marketable, Hertz, all of that, <laughs> running through the airport with the suitcase. Uh-huh. And uh, how are we feeling about O.J. now? O.J. did it. <laughs> uh, how's he doing? How's, uh, how's, how's that rep doing? Uh, you know, I, Kurt Schilling. Um, Oscar Pistorius. Remember that? Oh my gosh, it's the most inspirational story of all time. Mm-hmm. And then he sort of killed somebody. Um so that changed. Lance Armstrong get put in that too? Um uh, Yes. Absolutely. I mean just I mean just with his with the storyline, the cancer coming back, fighting back, and now you're able to go out and win and persevere, and then you became really unlikable. Absolutely. 
And then, like on a smaller level, you know, I thought it was uh, Kirby Puckett. Kirby Puckett was one of these guys who had this relationship with the media and fans that was just like, oh my gosh, this is mm-hmm. the greatest guy ever. And, um, you know, then after he retires, and this happens to a lot of guys, and they're not getting that interaction anymore with fans and the press and the public or whatever. Like, and I forget the exact story, but Kirby was like, I don't know, he was caught peeping on people in public bathrooms and stuff like that. So this happens. Is Derek on that road? I, I think it's too early to say that. I think he's really trying to embrace the fact that he is an owner and he's defending a lot of the moves they made in regards to trading the core group of their team. You know, outside looking in, people justifying it as far as you're trying to save money because of the cost that you pay for the team. You're trying to recruit that. He's like, no, we needed to give ourselves enough wiggle room to get the kind of players we needed. Others are like, well, you had some players. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But, but, some really good but, players, but, but, by but, the way. but immediately, though, when he got the team, the the first thing people were saying was with Giancarlo Stanton that you, that he his salary is going to bog down what you can do in free agency and what you get. What are you going to do with it? Do you keep the salary or do you let it go in order to build the team? So he was already saddled with that coming in. Okay, that's and, fair. You know, and so okay. it's a decision they tra- they made to say, you know what, we you, we know we're going to take a step back. Let's do it the right way to get a core group of guys that we can grow with over the next five to ten years. I get it, um, but his competitive side of him came out in this interview from what I read <laughs> with Gumble. You know what I mean? I mean, really came out. Um, you know, the Stanton thing is one thing. Right. Um, but, okay, what happens next? So Stanton wants out. He doesn't want to be part of any sort of a youth movement. Okay, they figure that out. The Yankees, they buy. But then after that, you had a bunch of other really good young players mm-hmm. who started saying, well, wait a minute, we don't like this either. And it was almost like Derek just had some sort of, um, you know, like, just make a line outside my office, and if you'd like to leave, no problem. We'll, we'll accommodate. I mean, where, why did that happen? And I know this is getting a little bit deeper for a lot of fans, but, you know, Yelich and, like, okay, they're not happy. I don't know. Sit down and talk to them and make it okay. As well, opposed I, you, to just you, being well, like, okay, well, you're you know what? Just preface this by saying inside of management, we don't know the intricate conversations that they've had and why they made those decisions. On outside looking in, it's like they were rational, irrational. They just made a quick decision. But I'm sure by coming through the Yankee organization and learning from Steinbrenner and learning from that, he understands or has a clue or a basic understanding of what he wants to do as a manager and how to operate. And how, maybe I would think, I would think, and I'm just saying this, I'm just throwing it out there, as a former player of how to communicate to players. Because to me, my thing is players want to know the truth. I want to be committed to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, and make a commitment. Whether it's what they want to hear is one thing, but tell me what's going on. Then I can deal with it, whether I like it or not. Right. It's when you deal with that middle part, that that the ambiguity, the lying part. And I, I hopefully Derek has been honest with these guys because he's been through a lot of stuff. Yeah, I just, you know, I wonder what the value of that is to him. Like, when I thought of Derek Jeter, the brand, like, right. the whole deal was like, this dude just walks On two water. feet above yeah, ground. Yeah, 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 made sense. And it did, now, like, you even just look at a picture of him, and you just get a totally different feeling different emotionally side, when you look at him. Yeah, being on the other side. It, 100%. It is, man. Um, 
All right, second half underway in San Antonio. Keep you up to date with Jim Jackson, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio. And coming up next, guess who's going to join us? Derek Fisher. All right, into our final hour. And the Warriors, uh, who are down by 14 at the break, walk out onto the court for the second half, and they're immediately only down by nine. Actually make it now back up to 12. But the Warriors in the third quarter, uh, that's their quarter. That's statistically when they make their move. We'll see what they can do here. Uh, it has been a sleepy game for them so far entirely. We are coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Geico.com for a free rate quote. Uh, we're expecting to visit with Derek Fisher here in just a few. NFL draft just about four days away. We've got everything going on uh, basketball-wise. Keep you up to date there. I want to ask you this, too. Um, and, you know, I know you've got your uh, your Ohio background. Is it, are, are the Browns your football team? No. 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 Who's I, your football I grew up team? a Steeler fan. You grew up a Steeler Straight fan. Straight Steeler fan. Never Cincinnati. Actually, I grew up closer to Detroit. Okay. Okay, so, but Cincinnati, Browns. I remember one time I went to a Browns game with my best friend. It was <laughs> so freaking cold. So I ain't never doing this again. <laughs> right. But right? I think it was being young, you know, the Steelers, this was early 70s, black and gold, the colors, which made me really like the Steelers. So then when I played with the electronic football game, you know, yeah, the yeah, vibrated, yeah. I was a Steeler. <laughs> yeah. So everything was all Steelers for me. I thought I was going to be the next Lynn Swan. Didn't quite work out, did it? No. I mean, it weren't like, you know, it no, worked I out. Think, I figured I got a good job. I think you did job. okay. Yeah, you got a good job. Good, good but day it job. just wasn't Lynn Swan, that's no, all. Uh-uh. Okay. Um, the Browns are the most interesting team this week mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, one and four, need a quarterback, bunch of them available. It's interesting. I always go into these, and, and, you know, there are multiple things each team can do, and you walk away as a fan going, oh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, I, I see what you did there. Um, the Browns, for me, though, with one and four, mm-hmm. and there was that, you know, just wackadoodle rumor that came out this week, they might take a quarterback with both of them. No, no. that's not happening. No. But – while I'm curious to see what they do, and there are a bunch of options, and you would understand Chubb or Barkley, and there's mm-hmm. Darnold, and there's Allen, and all these guys. All right. For me, there is actually a very defined position A, though. And if I were the Browns, this is exactly what I would do. Right. Okay. The same point that I made to Alex Marvez. We've seen the trend the last three years. You need a quarterback, and there are quarterbacks available. Teams will blink on draft day and make huge trades to move up. The 49ers last year got a bunch of picks. They got a haul from the Bears for the Bears to move one spot mm-hmm. and take a guy the 49ers didn't even want. That's what I'm talking about. So if you're the Browns, why wouldn't you take advantage of that and also get your quarterback? So I would take Sam Darnold, number one, and wouldn't even think twice about that. But at right. number four, where everyone's going, ooh, you could do Chubb, you could do Saquon Barkley. What a great day that would be. Look, there's still going to be teams that need a quarterback and still a huge quarterback available at number four. So I'm going to grab Darnold at one, okay. and I'm going to look to trade number four because I can get a haul and make somebody else move up to get one or two of those quarterbacks that are still available. And what are you trading for? What, what are issues? Because during the offseason, Cleveland made a lot of moves. Yes. You bring in Tyrod Taylor. Carlos Hyde, my boy, Ohio State. Got Hyde. So, 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 Jarvis again, Landry. Jarvis Landry. So you bring in fillers. Yes. Okay. 
You Although said, Landry, they just signed up long term. Long term. I mean, in regards to what with Hyde and also with uh, Tyrod. Yes. So you and Jarvis is going to be there. But so what do you need? Okay, because defensively in AFC, you figure you want to be able to have a pass rush long term. You want to be able to to change the game defensively. Now I just got Miles Garrett last year. I know, but what if you got Chubb and put him on the opposite side? I'm into it. I mean, you know what I mean? You can do that. You can do that. But my point is, maybe you can do that, too. The Broncos are right behind me. Mm-hmm. And Elway says, oh, we don't need a quarterback. I don't believe you. I don't you. believe it. I don't right. believe you. So you're talking about trading up, trading so down a little bit if, with, with Denver. Let's say let's okay. say it goes Darnold. Rosen. And then, yeah, who goes but number see, sometimes two? They say, some are saying that Josh Allen may go to Cleveland. I know what some are saying. I don't buy you it. You don't buy it. Okay. I, don't, I do not you don't, buy you don't, it. You don't buy the Josh Allen. The less we know about him, the more intriguing he is. I think Sam Darnold is going to play for the Cleveland Browns next year. <laughs> okay. So let's say Darnold won. Okay. I actually think the Giants are either going to go Josh Rosen or trade it. I think the Bills would love that pick. But uh-huh. let's say another quarterback goes there. Okay. Okay? That's two off and the then board. Let's, you know, call it who you want. Let's say Rosen gets picked there. Okay. What if the Jets take Baker Mayfield? Okay. Okay. Now here's Three. pick. Now here's pick four, and I'm the Browns. Barkley, Chubb, whatever we want to do. Nobody's taking anything but quarterbacks. But the Broncos are right behind me, and Josh Allen played at Wyoming, mm-hmm. right, right down the map from from the uh, Broncos. Right. I don't know if they like Josh Allen, but if I'm the Browns. I am going to call the Broncos and say, I just want to let you know that the Dolphins and the Cardinals and the Bills, they're all on our phone line right now. Uh I just want to let you know. So I'm not saying you need to blink, but just so you know, they're all on the phone right now. And I want to see what Denver will give me to move up one spot to do what they want to do. Who knows what they want to do? But no matter what they do, either Barkley or Chubb or potentially both, they're still going to be available if I just move back one pick. And I, but I think that fourth pick also is going to be an indication of what they value in regards to whether it's offense or defense, where they're going. Because that first pick is going to tell you already. We, we, everybody knows we need a quarterback. Got to get your quarterback. Are we trying to really solidify having the offensive side with a player like Barkley who, if we look at, in the mode of kind of like a Zeke Elliott, you know, multi-purpose, can catch out the backfield, can block. Is he a high-possession carry kind of guy in the league? Mm-hmm. In the AFC, in, in, in weather? We've seen him play at Penn State in weather. So, right. so what do we value? Do what we are, value? And what about your boy? I mean, if Carlos Hyde is going to sign a big free agent deal, what'd you do? Would Bring you, him in to not play? Exactly. So that's what I'm saying. I think that fourth pick is going to tell you what they value. Saquon Barkley is probably going to, and it's not, but this is going to be based on what we all think. Mm-hmm. He's probably going to quote unquote fall. I think that's going to happen. I could be totally wrong, mm-hmm. but I've heard so many football players, actual former NFL players, tell me. They have conversations with GMs all the time, and this is not what GMs value. Now, there could be one who's just falling in love with Saquon Barkley. But outside of that, um, 
why would you use a top five pick on a running back when those teams that are up there at the top five have all kinds of all kinds of needs, number one. Number two, there's quarterbacks available and teams that need to get to the top five to get them. Mm-hmm. So there's trade opportunities. You saw the Colts already do that. Right. And then three, this is like the greatest running back class ever. I know on day two and day three there are going to be running backs that I can grab who play as rookies. Well, and, and so also, why would I use a top exactly, five pick exactly. on Barkley? And it's been proven that you can go get a running back with the skill set that you're looking for in a later round. Kareem Hunt, so, third Kareem round Hunt, last that's year. What I'm saying. Alvin Kamara, third exactly. round last year. So now it, it validates the point. And I guess it's a catch-22. If you're a great running back in college, it's like, okay, I mean, I'm still going to go in the first round, but it's not maybe where my talent should put me, mm-hmm. which is crazy. Well, and, and and try this on for size. This is just my mathematic play. This isn't my opinion about any player because mm-hmm. I'm not a scout. I think Saquon Barkley's great. He's wonderful. Might be a star. But if you ask me right now, um, like who will statistically and even just you know emotionally have the best rookie year mm-hmm. of all running backs, Barkley or the field? Oh, I'll take the field. Oh, take the field. And I won't even I won't even blink. Like could Darius Geis, Geis end up being yeah. better than Barkley? Yeah. 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 <laughs> and Cleveland has yeah. it. What is that in there in the fourth round? Is it or second round? Oh, I think they've got picks all yeah. over. There. They got nine picks right now. And if they trade that fourth pick, they're gonna have more than nine picks. Which is exactly what I would do. Yeah. So well, you, you um, can pick somebody up. Lots of guys. Geis, Sonny Michelle, Ronald Jones, uh-huh. Rashad Penny. To give you what you need, I be, and that's why I said that fourth pick to me too. Do you solidify that defensive line, that defensive front, to really indicate that this is who we're going to be defensively? If you put Chubb on the opposite side of Garrett, and you're able to really grow that core, how do you block him? How do you keep him out the backfield? Because yep. the thing is, with quarterbacks, it's the main position. Okay, so the other one is how do we get how do we get pressure on the quarterback? Interior defensive line, outside. You got a chance right here if you're Cleveland. With Jim Jackson, Mark Willard, Fox Sports Radio. We're, uh, we will have Derek Fisher. Needed to push back a couple minutes. We will have Derek Fisher coming up next. And still ahead on the show, it's probably the biggest legal situation going on right now in sports. And it just took a very subtle but large change. Uh, we'll tell you about that down the road. Fox Sports Radio. They're going to see a freak leak. Yes, they are. And the Warriors are trying to make their run. The Spurs right now keep holding them off, though, when they get close. Right now, Spurs by 11, two-minute mark, third quarter. So the Warriors are going to have to turn it on soon. And if they don't, <laughs> then they'll just go home and beat them down in a couple of nights. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, right now, I mean, again, I'm, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. Well, you but, keep saying that. Well, when, when, and not, you know so, when you say but. Everything you said before that doesn't count. I, I guess my point is I definitely think the Warriors are trying to win here. I definitely do. <laughs> but am I, am I wrong that in, in many ways it helps them if they lose? Am I wrong? Well, it gives Steph more time. They would rather see the Pelican series in that one extend. So, but point being is they're going to if they lose this here, they'll win game five. And the Pelican series then is, in theory, two to three days later when it starts. Yeah, but you never want to extend the series. you got a chance. To, that, that, keep in mind. 
No, you, I, you don't want. You don't to, want to. But there's a good. There's a. There's a really nice silver lining there. It, it is, but a closeout game is always the hardest one. I don't care if you're on the road, you're at home. Doesn't matter. To close out a team that's desperate, you have to match that same energy, enthusiasm, attention to detail to close them out. I don't care how dominant the team is. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with New Orleans closing Portland out and dominating that series, it was still a tough for them to win that game because that closeout is that, that other team just knows this is it. So that's why the score, yeah, you, uh, Golden State didn't match the energy early on that San Antonio came out with. Right, right. And right now, down by nine. I'll tell yeah. you who knows all about what you're talking about. is a guy by the name of Derek Fisher. Got himself five rings. Uh, doing some work now with Turner Sports as an analyst. Uh, Derek Fisher now joins us live, Fox Sports Radio. Derek, great to have you. Thank you so much for doing this. Uh, you know, right now, like, jump in on what we're, what we're talking about here. The New Orleans Pelicans... It's it's pretty new to the party, new idea here that they might scare the Warriors, but they looked so different uh, in this first-round series. How would you project that matchup, uh, assuming it happens here in, in, a, in a few days? Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me, first of all. I uh, appreciate you guys. Um, and, and as far as the Pelicans, you know, the confidence is, a valuable tool, even at the highest levels of, of professional basketball, when individual players and a team collectively start to build confidence in, in who they are and what they do, um, you see the best guys in the world actually take a jump to another level. And that, I think that's what we saw in the Pelicans. Um, so assuming the Warriors close out either today or, or in a few days when that series starts, um, I do think the Pelicans will be you know, a tough matchup. I think they defend well at the guard positions, which are the key positions uh, to guard the Warriors. And But I think the Durant issue is going to be one that the Pelicans have the hardest time solving uh, and, and therefore, you know, may not be as successful, obviously, as they were uh, against the Blazers. Uh, just they don't have a guy that I see that consistently can make things difficult for Kevin on the defensive end. Hey, Derek, what's up, my man? Jimmy, um, let's say we canceled out Anthony Davis and Kevin Durant. But right. the, the the guy, and we don't know what Steph's status is going to be coming back. So the guy to me that's really, I think, could be the key is Rondo. Mm-hmm. Is Rondo the way he's going to What have you seen with him that's been different? Because he had his hit in Sacramento and Dallas where it didn't go too well. But in, in, in Chicago, we saw his – his value. What what has been the difference with him right now during this Pelicans run? Well, I, it, it seems though that down the stretch during the regular season, um, his his playoff instincts and and his experience, you know, really started to have the most value for this Pelicans roster. I, it seemed from what I've been listening to and observing that. His his teammates noticed the difference in his mentality and his approach and the way he was leading the team, and and I think that has galvanized the group around him, uh, and and they're and they're they're trusting his decision making uh, and the things that he's going to do out there on the floor. Uh, and so yes, I agree that Rondo and 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 obviously Drew Holiday had an unbelievable first round series against the Blazers. Uh, those two guys will will be the key to any success that the Pelicans have. Like you said, Anthony Davis will be himself. Kevin Durant will be himself. We believe that Klay Thompson at the level he's playing will be himself. 
The question is, can Drew Holiday not necessarily score 41 points like he did yesterday, but can he consistently score offensively and force Clay Thompson to have to really exert a lot of energy on both ends? Derek Fisher joining us, Fox Sports Radio. And I don't know about this, Derek. Uh, This was really interesting. Moments ago, Kevin Durant hit a shot at the end of the third quarter to bring the Warriors to within six, and the clock stopped right at point three. And and so I looked up at the TV, and I'm like, it says point three, and I'm talking to Derek Fisher. I don't know, Derek. This is a good sign for all of us right there. Man, I I mean, I don't know if the people in San Antonio (laughs) will feel the same way. Um, But... Yeah, I mean, you know, it, there's never, um, you know, an amount of time left on the clock in a in a pro game. I mean, Jim knows it as well. Like, it, there's no lead big enough in the NBA, um, you know, when, when you have the best players in the world doing what they do on the other side of it. And you have a championship caliber team uh, that, although they started off slow, you know, they're gaining traction as this game goes on. Uh, so the four quarters should be definitely highly contested. And, and the Spurs have a championship pedigree in their DNA that they've built for almost 20 years now. So they're not going to quit on this game no matter what happens and on this series. So it should be an interesting fourth quarter for sure. Hey, Derek, I'm going to switch to uh, the other side to the east. Right now Cleveland has a critical game a little bit later today. They're down. How concerned are you for the Cavs uh, getting through this series with a tough Indiana team? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm a little concerned about the Cavs in terms of not being able to find ways to score consistently against uh, this Pacers team. Uh, I'm not overly concerned in terms of them still having the ability to win the series. Um, I think that uh, they are capable of winning game four, which then makes it a three-game series, uh, you know, with two of those games being in Cleveland, uh, theoretically. And so... I think they're capable of still winning game four, but what bothers me, I think, more long-term is, uh, although the Pacers do some things well defensively, uh, the, the Cavs have been in the 80s in scoring, you know, in, in two out of these three games. And that that's something that won't bode well going forward when they have to play, uh, you know, against the, the Celtics or the Bucks, you know, who are really good defensive teams. Like, they've been top defensive teams you know, throughout the season at different times. Uh, so that's what concerns me the most about the Cavs. But, you know, like we saw in the start of Game 3, I think they're capable of putting that together in Game 4. And then obviously LeBron is still the best player on the floor, and so you always have a chance. Derek Fisher with us, Fox Sports Radio. So, Derek, at the end of your career, you spent some time with the Thunder, a teammate of Russell Westbrooks, and I'm still trying to figure this dynamic out because I firmly believe that Paul George will play elsewhere next year, and so that'll be – the second time that his second best player has left, and and I, you know, we we get that he's a great player, but we also see the numbers that suggest the less he shoots, the better his team is. And so I'm not sure how aware he is of all that stuff when he's on the court. But I also know all of his teammates. You know, Karan Butler. We see him every day right before our show. Guys like you always. Uh, you know, like him and 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 defend the way he plays. Can you explain that dynamic? Uh, I mean, the dynamic of, I mean, let's start with the first part of, you know, whether Paul George stays or leaves, you know, or Carmelo will probably still be there based on what his contract situation is. Um, you know, I, I think their success in this postseason still weighs heavily on that decision. You know, if, personally, if I'm Paul George, 
you know, if if we are able to make a deep run into this postseason, get you, you even up the series against Utah in the next couple of days, win that series, you go on to the second round and play against the Rockets most likely, even though the Timberwolves looked good yesterday, uh, I, the Thunder can possibly win that series. I don't think we feel like that's a cakewalk for the Rockets. So all of a sudden you look up and you're in the Western Conference Finals and you're going to get paid near the same amount of money. I'm not sure why you leave. Um, so that's the first part there, and then I'll button that up. The second part, I think, <laughs> for, for, for Russell Westbrook, I think that the reason why guys that have played with him like him and a lot of guys that you know maybe don't play with him or just watch him play, et cetera, is that a lot of a lot of guys, including myself, that are in the league, sometimes you don't you can't bottle up exactly what you're going to get from somebody. That's the hardest part for a coach to figure out. Management, fans, journalists, everybody's always questioning. Well, who like? Well, who was this guy that that went out and played that way today? And we're with Russell. There are no question marks, and and so it, then it takes it to Michael Jordan. It takes it to Kobe Bryant. Where? Who is it that's supposed to adjust? Is it him or is it the guys that choose to be on the team or are on the team to say, even if he does shoot a little too much tonight or this night or a lot of nights, like I still can win a championship next to this guy. So then let me figure out and let us all figure out how do we do that so that he doesn't have to change himself and I can still be you know, the who I need to be in order to help us win. So that that those are my thoughts. Um but yes, statistically there are times where he could shoot less and that tells you numbers wise that maybe the Thunder would do a little bit better. Um but I, I just think those things are, you know, more subjective than people think. Hey Derek, one of the questions regarding the Rocks I played for Dan Tony was from the defensive perspective, but I think the guy that doesn't get a lot of credit is Jeff Bezdelic and what he's done with the defensive side of the Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. Have you seen a difference? You, you've seen this Mike D'Antoni before, whether it was in Phoenix, whether it was in New York. How important, how imperative is a guy like Bezdelic to Mike D'Antoni from a defensive perspective if Houston ultimately wants to win a title? Yeah, no, I, I think it's a great point, John. I think it's huge, uh, and I'm not sure. You know, I think every staff – has a coach that kind of is responsible for defense, but I, I, I think it's critically important, uh, almost like football, just the way the game is going and the way our game is, is being played, uh, the amount of information, the way data is being used. It's critically important to have a coach that is accountable and responsible for that, that side of the ball. If, if D'Antoni's offense and Bizdelic is defense, I think it allows for clarity and understanding that his voice, you know, his schemes, his game plan, it's clear for the players to know that that's who they rely on a lot of times for that information. Doesn't take anything away from D'Antoni at all. But then the second piece, and, the, and the, probably the more important piece, is the players that they brought in that can then execute and take into action what the coaches ask them to do. So, yes, Bizdelic can do some great things defensively, but – P.J. Tucker and Bob Mute, Clint Capella, Trevor Ariza, Chris Paul. You, you now have multiple guys who defensively and competitiveness on that end of the floor is, is part of who they are. So you're not trying to force offensive players to commit to the defensive end in a way that they aren't necessarily true to. So that combination of 
clarity of vision offensively with D'Antoni management ownership. Clarity and vision on this is our coach we're going to rely on defensively, but then we're going to bring in players and commit to players and make sure that they feel valued and appreciated for what they bring us on that end of the floor. And they don't feel any pressure to have to make 10 threes because that's not what they're there for. So I think Houston's found just a nice balance overall with, with everything that they're doing, and, and that's why they're the best team in the league this year. Hey, Derek, uh, great to have you today. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Okay, there he goes. Derek Fisher, five rings on that hand, joining us. Fox Sports Radio coming up next. We'll update the Warriors-Spurs game for you, plus the big legal situation in the NFL that just took a turn. That's 60 seconds away, but let's get Ilo in here and get up to date on everything that's happening. Ilo, what we got? Mark, the Spurs hanging tough. They're up 88-77 to over the Golden State Warriors with exactly eight minutes remaining in the fourth quarter in Game 4 from San Antonio with Golden State leading the series three games to none. The Warriors are a plus 26 on the glass, and they have 21 offensive rebounds, but they're down 11 as they're shooting just 40% from the field. They are 6 out of 21 from three-point range. They've committed 16 turnovers to just six turnovers by the Spurs, who themselves are 12 out of 23 from three-point range. Earlier today, the Bucks and Celtics were tied in the final seconds of Game 4 in the Eastern Conference with Milwaukee in possession. Maker at the high post. Hand back to Brogdon. Dribble penetration to the rim. The floater is no good. Tipped up and in! Giannis tips it! 104-102. Bucks lead. Five seconds to go in the game. And that would be the final. Ted Davis, the call on WTMJ. That series tied at two games apiece. Finally, one baseball note. The Cubs' Chris Bryant had to leave today's game at Colorado after being hit in the helmet by a pitch. Cubs say Bryant has a small laceration above his eye from his sunglasses, but has shown no signs of a concussion. The Cubs up 6-4 to four at Colorado, now in the bottom of the sixth inning. Mark, it's all yours. All right. Thank you very much, Ilo. A reminder, NFL draft coverage, the best place to find it is right here. Fox Sports Radio Thursday night. Jay Glazer, Joel Klatt, Chris Spielman, Kurt Menefee, live from the site of the draft. That's AT&T Stadium in Arlington. All the first round, the whole thing. Jay Glazer, last three years, correctly predicts every single first round pick. Can he do it again this year? 32 for 32. Thursday night, Fox Sports Radio, iHeartRadio app, beginning at 8 Eastern, 5 Pacific, and hear the very best. NFL draft coverage on the radio for the entire first round of the draft. With Jim Jackson, Mark Willard with you here, Fox Sports Radio 877-99 on Fox. The give and go is about 10 minutes away. I want to ask you about Reuben Foster. I'm following this situation with the San Francisco 49ers. He came out of his rookie year as a really good player, but there were a lot of questions about him going into the draft, and uh, that has now turned into um, – real-life issues uh, as a professional player. So we know the felony accusations, um, domestic violence, dragging a woman, hitting her multiple times. There's no place for it. There's no more tolerance for it. There shouldn't be. Uh, There's also gun charges, Mm -hmm. uh, possession of guns that are not even legal in the state of California. So now the development is the, and I don't know if this is a rumor, report, but the suggestion is out there that the alleged victim is not going to cooperate with authorities. How does that change this entire story? Well, without the cooperation, you have to find other witnesses or 
other details to the story that could possibly convict Ruben of the crime. Because you don't have, because basically what you got right now is he said, she said, he said it, I said it, but she's not there. Then what proof do you have? And, and that's the issue here. I mean, it's a lot different than Ezekiel Elliott who had the young lady who talked to the NFL and gave mm-hmm. an eyewitness account. So now you had the proof with this one. You don't. So it's harder to be convicted of something like that when you don't have a witness. Well, it's funny, too, because in the Ezekiel Elliott situation, while there ended up being no uh, court proceedings at all, the NFL, because as you're saying, they talked directly to the woman, they Mm -hmm. felt like there was enough there. If they're not able to do that in this case, how does that go forward? The 49ers uh, and the whole league end up in what is a little bit of a pickle here because um, rightfully so, this issue has come to the forefront, yep. and there cannot be any more tolerance of it. And you know how the public moves forward once they hear the allegations. and Convicted. That, that's right. That's right. So right now, uh, you, we've read the allegations. There's a grand jury that decided there was enough there to press forward. Once you get there, the public is like, oh, you did this. And if they feel that way, how, as the NFL and the 49ers, if there ends up being nothing that comes out of it in court, do you just act like nothing happened? But it's hard to do that. With Zeke, with Zeke, it was some things that led up to that right? that allowed them to do the suspension. I think you were talking about this with Ruben, too. In the past, he got caught with the marijuana. Some things happened before. But then in this particular case, because of the guns. Gun charges. The gun charges. They're separate. If she doesn't cooperate, could they still ex- convict they, him on yeah. that? Now, if that let's, let's take play devil's advocate. If they don't convict him on the, on the gun charges, what does the league or, or, or San Francisco do? Yeah, I don't know what the league can do. I do think that the 49ers would almost benefit. And again... I don't know how it plays out, and I would much rather in this particular case be talking about what's right and what's yep, wrong yep. in real life mm-hmm. and the safety of uh, of, of, of females mm-hmm. in general uh, than be talking about the right way for an NFL team to handle its public relations. But I would also say this. Um, if the NFL and the 49ers come away with this feeling like, one, something bad definitely happened, and two – they are legally empowered, let's say, you know, whether it's the gun charge or whatever it is, convicted of anything, they would almost be better off suspending Ruben for at least a couple games, even if he doesn't get convicted of domestic violence, because it achieves two things. One, there are the public relations that go out to the public, and the 49ers could say he didn't get convicted, but we're still not comfortable with this. You're missing two games. And it also sends a direct message to a young player and says, this is it, right? Like, you understand this is your last chance. Right, right, right. Um, and, 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 you know, the next thing that happens, you're not going to play for this team anymore. Yeah, you, you know, the unfortunate part about this is that we're, we're talking about domestic violence. Whether it happened or not, we don't know. But evidently something was there. Now the witness, the young lady, chooses not to do it, mm-hmm. to move forward for whatever reason. And you can speculate. You know what they're going to say. She's going to get paid. Sure. So now what that does, it hurts other women who are in the situation when something happens. And this is what the advocacy advocacy group has been saying for years, that when things like this happen, it puts us back because the the 
justification here is that it's about money. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, when somebody settles like this, is about now we don't know the conversations and, they had, and we value solid play at linebacker more, more than, than we value a, a woman. Now, at the end of the day, she has to make the decision with her attorney whether she wants to move forward. What changes her mind during the time that she actually reported this to now that she says she's not going to be involved? If that's the case, we don't know. We can only speculate. Yeah. But the speculation is is that she's going to receive some money. It's going to be undisclosed, probably be sealed. Why? It's not going to move forward. And it's tough. You know, it, but I'm also this, Mark. Domestic violence, the, the, the word itself, I think, is, I think we got to talk about this a little bit because I think it's so many, it's so broad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Let's say you're in an instance where you're with a female and she kind of attacks you. The cops get called. You're trying to restrain her, but you get hit with a domestic violence charge. Is that really domestic violence when you were protecting yourself? Well, right, I mean, and 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 everybody's got a different de- uh, definition but, of but, what but, is protecting but, but, yourself. But he, but are the, you restraining her? Are you right. holding her but back? Let's are say, you let's, hitting back? But let's say the guy's not doing anything but restraining. Mm-hmm. But she calls, and it's categorized as a domestic violence call. So then you're labeled with that when it really wasn't domestic violence. You see what I'm saying? Of course I do. So is can we separate that part of it? Because if if a man puts a hand on a woman, he needs to be hundred percent done that's with. It. And that's but if it's not that category, can we separate the language? Because wow. once you get hit with domestic know, violence, that's people automatically and, think and my, that's what you did. My least favorite phrase in uh, American English language: yes. perception is reality. Exactly, can't stand it because it's not. Uh, but a lot of us move forward with right. it as such. Yeah. All right. Um, Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, Fox Sports Radio. Glad you're with us. And the give and go is next. Progressive's new Home Quote Explorer makes it easier to protect what you love. Just go online, compare quotes, and choose what's right for you. Progressive.com is your home for all things home insurance. Okay, Fox Sports Radio is brought to you by Granger, products and services you need when you need them. Granger's got you back to help you keep uh, your facility running. Granger for the ones who get it done. Spurs are getting it done right now. They're hitting the big threes, uh, but far from over. Three-minute mark, Spurs by eight, Warriors on the free throw line, so make it by seven. Uh, keep you up to date on that. Worst thing that could happen here, though, is uh, you know game five back at Golden State, so it's not like there's... A whole lot of drama here. We but, want to uh, extend it. We want more basketball. Yeah, more basketball. Yeah. More basketball is a uh, is a good thing. Um, just a handful of minutes left for uh, our time here on Fox Sports Radio, so let's do what we do here to close it out each and every time, and that's the give and go. Let's go. It's give and go. Give, 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 give and go. Give, go, go, give, go, go. go. Give, give, go. Here's give and go. Yes, sir, Mark. I'm taking it out of that very creative imaging open that we have there. <laughs> Haven't heard anything that unique Wait, in you years. You don't like it? No. Oh, okay. David Gaston. I didn't do it, so <laughs> I don't take offense. Is busy today, so I'll be filling in for him on the give and go. All right. Mark Willard, Jim Jackson, Fox Sports Radio. We cover a couple of topics we didn't quite have time to get to in the regular show. Now, we touched on this a little bit, but I want to dive a little bit deeper, gentlemen. Regarding the Blazers-Pelican series, now I don't know if you know this, but outside of a game winner a few years back against Houston, Damian Lillard has been terrible in the postseason in his career. 
shooting a career 40% from the field on over 680 attempts. Here's the question for you. Jim, we'll start with you. Is Damian Lillard just a little overrated? Not overrated. I think the expectations as far as what he does. Keep in mind that first playoff series, he was high. After that, his percentage dropped to 38%, which got it to 40 But I don't think he's overrated. Again, the playoffs are a different animal. And defensively, he got locked up. He got locked up. He did. Not overrated, though. I love him. I think Damian Lillard is actually one of the most underrated players in the NBA. This is a guy who has struggled to even make all-star teams in the West because of the other point guards that are out there. He's in the Pacific Northwest. He had a duo star teammate leave him, and therefore there's a stigma around the guy that I I don't think should be there. Uh, I don't know how many people around the nation get to see Damian Lillard games. Uh, This is one of the most dynamic guards in the NBA, period. And, uh, and I never start to pass judgments based on a small sample size, which is what I would call his playoff resume right now. Good stuff. And by the way, Damian Lillard is still part of my hashtag future Laker team. So. <laughs> <laughs> also got to remember on this show, the last time something critical got said about Dame, he called five minutes this later. Is true. So I considered criticizing him there, but we've only got five minutes <laughs> left. So uh, right. no, no dice. Okay. Story number two. Now the UCF football team unveiled the 2017 national championship banner just before their spring spring game yesterday. <laughs> so, Mark, we'll start with you. Yeah. Do you have a problem with that? I have less than no problem with that. I have a problem with anyone who has a problem with UCF. I think everything they've done from the moment this all went down is empowering and correct. First of all, they've backed up their their chatter. Their chatter is we're the national champs. Well, then the coaches deserve bonuses. What did UCF do? They paid them. So they're putting their money where their mouth is, number one. And number two, in my opinion, they're flat out right. Not meaning that they are the national champions, but what they're trying to do here is make a point. Trying to make a point that the current structure of the way college football ends its season is unfair and unsportsmanlike. They are 100% correct. (laughs) Totally disagree. Totally disagree. How do you put a a banner up saying you're the national team? We, We all know who won it. So what? You didn't get there. I get it. But you don't put a banner up saying that you want the national that you're the national champ. No, I get the system is flawed. That maybe it didn't work out, but that's the wrong way to go about it. False expectations. Stop it. <laughs> Last question here. <laughs> Willard and Jackson, Fox Sports Radio, the Give and Go. I could rebuttal, but now you're no, going. No, 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 we're here. No, 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 no okay, so that? you with your with your with your children. So oh. Oh, uh, no, this is you, not you want a participation, participation trophy? trophy? No. That's what, that's what you kind of no, paired you up. No, a participation yes, trophy is when you go 6-6 six and six and you get a trophy. No. But they didn't get in. They didn't lose a game. They didn't get it. So they, what? That, who's they didn't fault? get in. They didn't get in because people sit in a boardroom and decide who's supposed to get in. It's it not a perfect system. It's a, it's a lot worse than not perfect. Did they play in a national championship game? They played in their no, own no, 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 game. no. Did they play in the national they championship Auburn. game? No, they, they did, did not they play, play in the national championship in the game. game that is mythically they, called the no, national you championship see, game. No, you see, now you're trying to be lawyer, lawyeristic, if that's the word. <laughs> that's right. No, they did not play, so you're not putting up a sign, a banner. Right. Guess what? I didn't play in the Final Four. I think oh, I should have. You're a champion to me. <laughs> uh, go ahead, Rob. All right, last question to give and go. Now, this is something that didn't get much play at all, but... um. 
Earlier this week, Kevin Durant was asked about uh, the Greek freak up in Milwaukee, and he basically said something to the effect of, Giannis, don't stay with the Bucks if you're not having fun. Now, considering that mm. Kevin Durant won a title and he still looks unhappy, start with you, Jim. <laughs> Are you surprised that KD said this? No, no. I, I think he was referring probably to OKC. I, I think he's extremely happy in Golden State with the Warriors. You know, even though he's rebelling a lot this year, we're seeing a different side of him. But I think he was truly unhappy at the end of his term right there in OKC. And I, I truly believe that's what he was saying. Okay, see, now we're back on the same page. Yeah, I, what? I, I re, no, I reject the idea that KD <laughs> is unhappy. I think oh. it, w- when we see him as unhappy, it's because he's talking about uh, whether it be the media, the perception of different things yeah. that are going on out there. In a basketball sense, I think Kevin is in a state of ecstasy. I think all these guys on the Warriors are. So I don't think he's unhappy at all. And I have no issue with him saying it. You know, I always tell the story of what my wife said when this Katie thing went down and everybody in sports media was going bananas about it. And she's like, "Why? what's everyone talking about? I'm like, well, this is controversial and that's controversial. She looks at me and goes, oh, please. He went to Golden State because he wanted to. And then turned and walked out of the room. I'm like, yeah, she's yeah. kind of right. Oh, that's and like the time your wife has done something like that where it's real simple. She, she happens yeah. to be kind of smart. Yeah, yeah man, I, I'm telling you, do what you want to do. They've earned that right. All right, there it is. Give and go. Fox Sports Radio. and Burrs. And there it is. Burrs. Another game. Tim Jackson, Mark Willard. And there it is. Game five. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey, it's Bobby Bones. Are you looking to build this year? If so, there is no better time than right now to start planning and to get your spot on the construction schedule. If you need a garage, a stall barn, a storage for vehicles, RV, boat, collectibles, or even a a shop for your farm, hobbies, or car restoration projects, visit MortonBuildings.com and start your construction process. With superior materials, craftsmanship, best-in-class warranty, Morton Buildings are made to last for generations. At Morton, the difference is in the details. From their cutting-edge innovations to their craftsmen in the field, they are dedicated to surpassing expectations. Their legacy of excellence spans more than 120 years, and Morton Buildings is 100% employee-owned with more than a quarter million satisfied customers. That means they're the industry leader you can trust. When you choose Morton, you'll experience quality at every step of the building process, starting before the walls even go up. Visit mortonbuildings.com to get started today. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER.